Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's been an odd, slow-developing market for whatever reason. Every year has sort of a different sort of feel to it. I'll tell you, last night at dinner, Raquel and Brez and AC and... Eddie and I and a few others got a FaceTime from Dustin Pedroia and he reminded us who's still out there on the market and what opportunities might be out there. So we appreciated that perspective from Petey. Any, any talk of acting on any of his advice? <laughs> he, uh, he was very clear about his feelings. Sam Kennedy earlier in the week on Dustin Pedroia. Who called who? I feel like we got to the bottom of that yesterday Liar. when Rob Bradford joined us here on Jones and Mego with Arkan on WEEI. Uh, not quite the cool name drop Pedroia reference that maybe Sam Kennedy thought he was getting at. Uh, we'll get into that with all your phone calls here today at 617-779-7937. lot to get to on the show. Uh, Gerard Mayo scheduled to talk to the media today along with all the Patriots coordinators. Alex Van Pelt, we'll hear from him for the first time. DeMarcus Covington. What's the special teams guy's name? Springer? Yeah. Jeremy Springer. Springer. We'll hear from him, too. Jerry uh, Springer. What is it? Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer, exactly. Uh, so we have Mayo at 3 o'clock. We'll see what we play from the other guys. Uh, of course, triple play, Meg Splaining, Bet Roulette, all that good stuff. We'll start with the Red Sox here today. Uh, are they worthy of your time? this season and I think it's a pretty clear no <laughs> whether or not they're worthy of your time but I want to hear from you on the phones I want to hear from Mego and Arcand as well they're not acting like uh they're going for anything or involved in anything the manager doesn't want to be there the players don't want to be there uh so I just want to see what that number is uh and I'm curious to hear your thoughts I'm also curious what it would take to get you interested in this season and the Red Sox to be worthy of your time uh, so all that's available for you to discuss here today. Uh, but, Mega, are the Red Sox worthy of your time this year? So I'll put it this way. Are they worthy of your full, undivided attention? Like, what did they do this offseason that they should have that? They dumped sales contract. They pissed off Kenley Jansen. Uh, they pretended like they FaceTimed, or like Dustin Pedroia FaceTimed them. They actually FaceTimed him. 
Uh, they ignore Jordan Montgomery, who, as we said, is just in the greater Boston area seemingly at all times. Uh, they went and got a pitching prospect, traded one of their pitchers for that, and then also got an injured guy uh, for somewhere in the future. And they put out a press release about Theo Epstein. Like, other than that, I, I don't really know what they did. When you so put I'll, it like that, it's really not much. I'll put it this way. Not your full undivided attention. I think the best way to experience this team is on the radio. Listen to them while you're doing other stuff because they don't deserve your full undivided attention. Hey, you know what? You can catch them streaming on the Odyssey app. You can catch them on WEEI. about that. Listen to baseball while you're doing other stuff, okay? (laughs) That's the only way to take in the team this year other than maybe reading some Rob Bradford. Other than that, that's the only way you can experience this team while you're, you know, noodling around with your car, doing some work around the house, maybe cleaning up your landscaping a little bit. That's a great time. That's that's how you should experience baseball. They don't deserve anything more. Okay. Odyssey app, Mego says. Arkan? I agree with Mego that it's uh, background noise at this point. I think in general when the Red Sox are don't have a great offseason and an offseason you're not you know too sure about, you you care in the first couple of months and then by the time you get to June July you know if you're still if you're still invested then that's a good thing I think people have divested from this team now like I think even at this point there's not that many signings they could even make that's going to get fans back interested I think that so much damage has been done here just in uh, the last couple of months that it's going to be very hard to kind of get that interest back and get that attention back so until they until they make some sort of effort to do so. I don't think they're worthy of the time. They're not. They're not putting the effort in to be worthy of the time. So what? What you know? What possible reason would there be to go out there and watch the team unless they shock everybody and you know have some crazy run and then everyone's going to get invested and we'll forget all about this? But in the absence of that, if they continue to go the way they're going, no, they're not worthy of your time. So I agree with you guys. You know, I mean, maybe if you want it on in the background, and certainly if they if they're better than we think, then people will invest. Can you believe it? But right now, no, no. Of course not. No. And most of you agree you're already voting at Jones and Mego. Uh, you continue to vote there. Are the Red Sox worthy of your time? Dial us up. 617-779-7937. I want to play you something Rob Bradford told us late in the show yesterday. Bradfo colon, I give up. <laughs> Bradfo's colon has even given up on the Red Sox this year, uh, along with everybody else. So he joins us every Tuesday at 430. He's worth listening to for this reason. The Red Sox told you. We played you Sam Kennedy right off the top. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dustin reached out to us. FaceTime with us. And, you know, he, he, he's so invested. He's telling us what to do this offseason, which wasn't a great look. But it's even worse when you hear Bradfoe's side of the story, Pedroia's uh, version of the events. Uh, here's what he had to say. My interpretation was immediately was he dislikes hitching the wagon to Pedroia. Here's a little known reality about that whole situation. They called Pedroia. It wasn't like Pedroia like, called in and said, hey, guys, hey, what's up? I, I want to tell you what's what. They had called Pedroia, and I think that the, the overall theme was, hey, Dustin, are you going to come here? And he's like, no, I, I got other things to do. But why I have you on the line, boom, here it is. <laughs> like, here's the hammer. So they're not worth Dustin Pedroia's time. Like, that's a guy who may have a vested interest in the Red Sox and how they look and how it looks since he's gone. They made it sound like he called them. He was interested in the team. He's not. 
They bothered him working out in Arizona or wherever he is, coaching his kid. They bothered him. They wasted his time. Hey, you want to get involved with the Red Sox? Hell no, I don't want to get involved. But maybe spend some money and then come talk to me. They're not worth Dustin Pedroia's time. No, they're not worth my investment right now. Jones, just really quick, do you know how delusional that makes the Red Sox look? That they think that the Red Sox, that all the inaction that they're taking is somehow like splashed all over Get Up on ESPN or something. So Pedroia's like, man, I got to call Sam Kennedy and tell give him the what's what. You know, like, no, that's I- it. Nobody believes that. Nobody thinks that's what's happening. People are just, the real fans are just pissed off at you because you're not doing anything and not giving them anything real to look forward to with this season. And they're sitting here going, okay, so now I don't even know about these prospects and when I'm supposed to be excited. And you're pretending like Dustin Pedroia has absolutely no life, that he's so fired up about what you're not doing that he's calling. He's like, hey, fellas. I'm surprised he answered. A few others got a FaceTime from Dustin Pedroia. Yeah, we got they a FaceTime. They called Pedroia. From yeah, no. So, 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 you know, somebody is being less than truthful. I, I don't know who you guys out there believe. I know who I believe. It's not Sam Kennedy. It's not the Red Sox. It's not the Globe. Uh, it's Rob Bradford, and we're biased, but that's who I believe on this one. Uh, and, yeah, no, they're not worthy of it. But I'll tell you, if they have a good start to the year, uh, I'll invest just like everybody else. But I think that's where a lot of fans really, truly are at. And this is what I said about Robert Kraft a few weeks ago, and I feel the same way about the Red Sox. you got to win me. you got to win me over. you got to win me back. you got to sell me with your play on the field. That's the only thing that's going to get people to invest. Right now, no one is invested, and rightfully so. And when I say no one, I don't just mean fit. John Henry is not invested. The ownership group is not invested. The players. The players don't want to be there. The manager wants out. The owner won't spend. Why on earth do you think the fans are going to give two craps about the team? So they better get off to a good start. And I'm not wagering on them getting off to a good start. I don't think they will. And if they have a good April, what does that mean? I don't know, 500-ish? They're somewhat entertaining to watch. Like, I don't even know what that means. But if they have a good April, they'll win people over to a degree. But that's the they have to win people back. Maybe people watch opening day. And then from there, when are people tuning in and investing until they know the team's worth investing in? Because right now, the way they've acted this offseason is shameful. It's embarrassing. And it's not just us. Like, I knew this would be a bloodbath. But this, to me, is a tool. Uh Right now, the early results, and there's a ton of votes, continue to vote. 84%, which I think is low, 84% say the Red Sox are not worthy of your time. We have some voter fraud. I just want to alert you that, uh, well, it's more of an error uh-huh. that at least one user said, F, I, <laughs> I voted yes had by a accident. fat finger I saw on that the S. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Okay, so it's actually probably a touch higher. Stop the count. 84%, and I'm surprised it's that low. Like, they don't think the Red Sox are worth investing in. Their time, wasting their time on, to put it in another way. So I just hope John Henry sees stuff like that. I, I, don't know, I don't know that he would care, but I hope John Henry sees stuff like that. That 84% of your fan base is like, you're not, you're not worth a second of my time. And I hope ownership sees that. And that, that's the kind of stuff that will hopefully get them to change. Uh, I feel like people have been talking this way for a while. I've been talking this way for a while. But that's the kind of thing that hopefully gets them to change. 84%, 17 out of 20 uh, don't care and won't care. Like that, that should 
rattle most owners. I don't know that it's going to wake this one up. Yeah, and listen, I mean, that rattles me. I The fact that we're even rattles. discussing this and that we have to get here, it's rattling me homes right now. But, like, it's not – we're the flagship station of the Red Sox, obviously. People say, oh, well, you're the flagship station. Why are you trying to get people not to watch? It's not that we're trying to do that. No, no, no. Listen we're while you ref- do other things. We're reflecting – in, in sort of holding up the mirror here to what the fans are thinking. And it's like, you know, these are the type of things. I don't like this. This isn't good for us. It's not good for us in general. It's not good for the city. It's not good for the team or anything. It's better when the Red Sox are interesting. It just is. It's better in the summer. It uh, makes the months go by better. And when you have a pennant race, that's great. You know, like that's really like a, a fun sports thing in the city. And it has been my whole life. But if you if you're going to give this little attention to the team and everybody's going to be this disengaged, you can't expect the fans to not reflect that back to you. No. And Ryan makes a good point. I forgot they start on the West Coast this year to boot. Their first 10 games are in Oakland and Seattle, and they see the Angels. So, like, good luck. It's 10-10 first pitch, 9-40 first pitch. You could be coming back to a Fenway opening day, and you could be, like, 3-7. and seven. Yeah, and at that point— and your what, fan base is definitely already out of it. What chance do you have of winning them back over? So, you know, I mean, there are still players out there. We talk about the pitching a lot, but, like, you could sign Cody Bellinger. You know, you could bring in guys like that. I don't think they're going to. And look, I don't think a, a dumb little show poll is going to win them over either. But I feel like ownership should at some point. Uh, look, I asked Bradfoe yesterday, did they hear it? He's like, absolutely, they hear it. They don't care. At some point, a number like that really has to jump out to you. 85% of your fans say, no, you're not worth investing in. Uh, so what do you guys think? 617-779-7937. It's not all Red Sox today. So if you want to talk Red Sox, get in early here on Jones and Mego with Arkan. We will play Gerard Mayo live at 3 o'clock. When he hits the podium, first time he's talked in a while. I think that's worth listening to. Here live on WEEI, of course, triple play. We have Meg explaining at 5.30 and Bet Roulette as well. Some picks for tonight at 5.45. Uh, are the Red Sox making any progress with their young players? We know they're not signing any free agents. We know they're not spending in free agency. Are they making any progress with their young players? We heard from Tristan Cassis the other day. That was a no. Uh, let's hear what Brian Bayo had to say right after trending with Christian Arkin. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs Needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say W-E-E-I's a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more of Jones and Mego on W-E-E-I. Everybody knows what they're lacking. And um, at the end of the day, I feel like um, there's no secrets anymore here with this organization. You got guys like uh, Pedroia, you know, FaceTiming with uh, Sam Kennedy and Alex Cora. You know, hey, what the hell is going on? So, and now you got Devers saying something. So, you know, I feel like sometimes, man, when, when, when you have a front office that is trying to uh, turn it around, you sometimes got to listen to the guy that is there that you signed for a long time. It's Jonathan Papelbon discussing the state of the Red Sox. He doesn't have it quite right. Pedroia didn't reach out and FaceTime the Red Sox. They reached out to FaceTime him, and he gave him a piece of their mind. As we found out yesterday here on Jones and Mega with Arkin on WEEI. He does say at the end, you got to listen to the player that's here for a long time. I, I assume he's talking about Devers there. Ryan, you're making a face. You don't think that's who he's talking about? I, you think he was talking about Pedroia still? I think he was still talking about Pedroia. Okay, interesting. Well, let's extrapolate the idea then. If you think he was talking about Pedroia, I kind of took that as Devers. But Devers is signed now for a long time. And he came out yesterday. We played you the clip a bunch. He came out yesterday and said, we all know what needs to be done. And so this is why we ask you today at Jones and Mego uh, on Twitter, are the Red Sox worthy of your time this year? 85% of you say no. We all say no. I don't know who in their right mind says, yeah, this team is worthy of it. Put it on in the background. Pop it on the Odyssey app. You'll probably watch opening day. And then unless they show they're better than we think on the field, What's the point? Oh, well, you can see their bums in those see-through pants. <laughs> I did see these new uniforms, which Good these point, Megan. These baby baseball players are already belly aching about. They're see-through. Okay. They look <laughs> you, they look terrible. Okay. Do you want to wear really transparent pants around? I mean, I don't know. Not really, but wear some tights under them or something like that. Like what do you want me to say? So I don't know. Get opaque pants. Yeah, I mean, it's baby baseball players will cry about anything. Stitch that closer together. They, even if they weren't see-through, they'd find something to cry about. They're all babies. And so the owner doesn't care. The manager doesn't want to be there. The players are pissed off at ownership. I don't get why fans would feel the team is worthy of their time. And so you need an about face from this organization. And I just hope things like the players popping off, Cora taking direct shots, I think, at ownership, um, Theo being there. And even, you know, the fans being vocal about how much this sucks, I I hope that's the kind of thing that changes their opinion. But, you know, John Henry was booed last year at Winter Weekend. The only thing that changes, he stopped showing up. Right. You know, he didn't change his actions. He didn't change how he handles the team. He just said, well, screw this. I'm not going to this anymore. No, he anymore. just went further into hiding. Right. Now he doesn't even email anybody. That's, that's all that changed. All that changes, he said, oh, I'm just going to hide even more. It's not like he decided to spend more money on his team. He's spending less. So I thought I, w- I was thinking about this yesterday. We got this text on the text line here where someone said, I'm of the age where I'm never going to get overly frustrated or give up on John Henry because of what the ownership brought to this fan base. And I just wonder, like, I, I respect that some people have that opinion of John Henry and I can understand the emotional tie to it. But how long, like, do you just then have a lifetime approval rating of the owner? 
Like, at some point, do you look over and go, well, for the past five years, is five years too short of an amount of time for what John Henry gave you? Like, I'm asking sincerely when we're talking about well, who does the, it sound like we're talking the about? 15% who are saying, yeah, they're worthy of my undivided attention. Who I love the Who does it sound Red like Sox. we're talking about? Bill. Thank you. It sounds like we're talking about Belichick. And, you know, we can debate who had more to do with, with championships. I'm sure most people would say Bill. But that sounds like we're talking about Belichick. It's like, well, I mean, how can you fire him? And how can you move, how could you quit on him? Look at all that he did. And so to me, that's the same logic. And I just, I don't subscribe to that level of logic. That's me personally. It's like, well, no, you were, you were good. And you were good when you had Tom Brady. And you were good four years ago. Even if you don't want to say it was just all about Brady and it was, and Bill did nothing. But it's been four years. So what have you done for me lately? You know, same thing with this ownership group. If you want to give them 2021, go ahead and give them 2021. Uh, where they, you know, got to the ALCS, they got hot at the right time. But for a championship, it's been longer than that. And I think it's a pretty easy line to draw in the sand, just like it was with Bill and Brady. They're spending or they're not. It's pretty black and white. I'm curious to fans how much they're feeding off of what they're hearing from the players. Because now in this week, you've had two different players in Kenley Jansen and in... Um, Raffi come out and say, like, we need more. I'm not ha- essentially like I'm very frustrated here. And these are your highest profile players which say something in itself about this clubhouse that we've talked about endlessly, that you need some star power. And it's not like what Craig Breslow said in his intro conference of like, hey, there's different kinds of stars like that line stuck with me because we should have known then they're not going to go out and sign anybody in free agency at all or make any trades for somebody that is a name that people recognize like Blake Snell. It's just, I I wonder how much of that is like, it's not just that the expectations are low, but that they're hearing from within the clubhouse that their expectations are low. So how about this? Here's another way of looking at that. MLB.com posted their top 100 players. Okay, Ryan forwarded this. Now you're telling me, Ryan, the top 10 still hasn't been announced. No. So So there's still a chance that we can get one of our guys in the top 10. possible the top 10 is chock full of Red Sox. That, That is possible. Chris Martin... Joe Jakes, <laughs> Yu Chang. The t- uh, he just signed in Tampa. I, think. Oh. I just I just saw. He's no longer a Red Sox. Oh. Uh, MLB.com posted their top 100 players. Rafael Devers, your highest paid player, is 32. Mm. He was number 19 last year. So he's dropping. I mean, I, I'm sure when I saw this list last year, I'm like, 19? That's not even star power. Now he's down to 32. Coming off a very meh year. Uh, Tristan Cassis is 97. That's it. That's your, whole, that's, that's your whole top 100. I, yeah, I'm right in some ways. Like, I'm surprised Cassis is even in the top 100, but that's it. Two players, one barely snuck in at 97, the other dropped 13 yeah, spots from a year ago. Somebody has to be 97 in the top 100. Why not Tristan Cassis? <laughs> so, no, they don't have stars. They don't. And this is a market that, that needs stars. It's a sport that I think needs stars, and it's a market that needs stars. And the Red Sox don't have it. So I agree with the people out there. No, they're not worthy of it. They're not. Yeah. And so ha- I'm sorry. sorry. Just the cycle of it is, I think, part of it, too. I think that fans sort of feel beaten down by what's happened here. Because if you want young players, and we've talked about this before, if you want young players and that's what you're sort of focusing on, you have to show that you're committed to keeping them around. Uh, giving Devers that contract was fine. But everybody else got traded and oftentimes for pennies on the dollar. And that whole group that came up together, I mean, Devers, you managed to sort of salvage. But everybody else is out of here and they were moved on from in a way that really was mind-boggling to a lot of fans and that's the the point is that you know that just happened very recently if you're trying to sell us on a new crop
crop of young players, you have to you have to show us that you're not just going to wait until they get to be 27 years old and then you trade them so that you don't have to pay them big money because otherwise, you know, if these guys don't catch on at the major league level right away, you're going to be dealing with that same stuff and you're not going to get those early Mookie MVP years when he was 23 years old. That's rare. You don't get that very often. And you don't have those kind of prospects anyway. So it's like, you know, if, if what's there to invest in? No, I agree. Uh, are the Red Sox worthy of your time? You can continue to vote. At Jones and Mego, 85% and rising say no. And I, I'm just curious what it would take to even get you on board. Like, what would it take for that 85%? You can answer this as well on the phones. What would it take to to get you to invest? Like, is a, is a strong April enough? Is a strong West Coast start enough so that they're, what, 500 by the time they come home for their home opener? How about bringing in someone else? Yeah, so that that to me seems like the one thing. But I don't, I don't think, as much as Red Sox fans are like, go sign Jordan Montgomery, go sign Blake Snell, sign Cody Mellinger, which you hear less. You really hear it with the pitchers. I don't even I don't even know if that's enough, but it would help. It would oh, help. I think if you sign those two, it would help a lot. No, no, if you sign two of them, yeah, sure. okay, maybe that but would like, be a major signal. Okay. I know you say like at this point, if you just sign Jordan Montgomery, it doesn't actually signal anything to you about ownership changing the direction or how they're operating. If you sign both those guys, that would be, a, a, I think, an enormous demonstration of you hearing the fan base. If you sign both, maybe you're a fourth place team. So, like, I I don't know how this team gets your attention Fourth back. Fourth place could be in the wild card. It could now, be. You know? I don't feel good about it. It could be. So, what would it get to reinvest? Uh, what would it take you, rather, uh, to reinvest? 617-779-7937. I mentioned Cora. I want to replay this because I thought this was good. Uh, here's what he had to say about the By Red way, Sox. Hi, everybody. Hi, Cora. Uh, hi, Alex, I should say. Uh, here's what he had to say about the Red Sox and the trajectory of where they're going. We get criticized like every other organization. Kind of like... Remember who you are. If you look at the, the body of work the last 20 years, you've been very successful. I don't care what people think. Uh, there's four rings to, to, to show it. So, yeah, you're always looking for a North Star, whatever, you know, trying to be like that and like this, whatever. Sometimes doing that, you forget who you are. And, you know, obviously for the players, the new players, um, probably they don't know what I'm talking about, but for the people that work here, that have been working for a while here, kind of like, remember who we are. Let's not forget that. I don't care what people think. Two last place finishes, all that. Man, we, we're really good at what we do. And uh, I think we got to get back to that. Okay. So there's a lot there. We got to get back to that. To me, that means spending. When he talks about the North Star, Mego, you brought this up yesterday. He's talking about Houston, Atlanta, the Cubs, build through the farm system, lower the payroll, tear it down to the studs, and try to compete that way. And that's not how they've won in this city. They've won by spending. And this goes back to something Ryan just dropped in with that top 100 list. Some of the names that are on there, Nathan Avaldi, 91. Xander Bogart's 53. Kyle Schwarber, 57. Uh, they haven't done the top 10 yet. Mookie hasn't been there. He's Mookie's got probably he's got to be in the top 10. It's a pretty good bet. So, like, look at the players that recently left that you chose not to pay who are littered all over that list and how different that would feel and how different that would look. And I think that's a lot of what Cora's saying there. I think it's what a lot of Red Sox fans feel. Absolutely. And on top of that, then you look at all the different lists, like you can pick out any list you want. They mostly say the same thing about the next era of what owner who ownership is hoping are going to be stars which are your prospects and they're so middling 
Maybe they'll get up to the majors and they'll be totally different. Maybe they'll get up to the majors and they'll be Xander and Mookie and Raffi-like. But that's a big gamble for what you're putting your fan base through right now, which is just being bottom of the barrel and not doing anything about it. And increasingly, as the off-seasons progress, doing less and less and less. We talked about this yesterday. You look at last year's offseason, like it looks like they went gangbusters compared to this. Yeah. Because you're not giving anybody anything. That's what Bradford said yesterday, and it blew my mind. I'm like, yeah, that is true. Like Jansen and Martin and, you know, uh, Duvall, Yoshida. Yoshida, Turner. You're like, wow, what a, what a great offseason that was. Those spending were, spree. Those were the salad days. Those were the good <laughs> old days where they were really spending compared to this offseason. I am Dombrowski over here. It's Giolito and nothing. Nothing except for injured guys who aren't going to pitch this year. Uh, so this dovetails in what Mego's talking about with the farm system dovetails in with something uh, Chris Cotillo wrote about today at Mass Live. And it's on the heels of Tristan Cassis turning them down for an extension. Uh, Cotillo found Brian Bayo and said, well, we're extension talks with you and the Red Sox. Uh, and in a conversation Wednesday morning at JetBlue Park, starter Brian Bayo and his agents uh, said they've been engaged in extension talks. That's good with the Red Sox in recent weeks, and that a deal may be close between the signs, uh, sides. rather, Asked if a deal was indeed close, Bale, through a translator, responded, Masamenos, which even I know, translates to more or less in English. He also responded, maybe, when asked if a deal could come together before the end of spring training. Bale's hopefulness was evident during the conversation, even if details were scarce. He said his representatives have talked with front office members, quote-unquote, in the last few weeks. Quote, they've been talking to my agents. The agents have been the ones dealing with the team. Bayo said, I told them if we have a good offer, let me know. <laughs> I'm still looking at everything that's going on, but they're the ones who have taken care of that for me. Asked what he values in extension talks. Bayo said those conversations are ongoing. Quote, I don't know. I guess it's just not a lot of years, but something that'll be beneficial to both of us for me and the team. I don't know what that'll look like. I got a modest way of saying I want a bunch of money. And when he says, I told them if we have a good offer, meaning his agents, to let me know, this is exactly like Cassis. So it's like, this is what I don't get with the Red Sox. And I think I really do get it. But what what baffles me is they say, well, we're in a build mode, is what Kennedy said the other day. We're in a build mode. We're not spending on these free agents because we have this wave of young players. And now your wave of young players, and we can debate how good Cassis is. Top 100, barely according to one list by MLB.com. Brian Bayo's not even on that list. We can talk about the farm system and how good those guys are. Do you want to keep those guys? It sounds to me like you're lowballing them. Tristan Cassis said, nah, I'm good. Brian Bayo says, I told my agents, let me know when they have a good offer. They're lowballing these guys. So, like, at least if they were locking up their young talent, you'd go, all right, there's a plan there. What, what is this plan? To not sign free agents, lowball all of your quote-unquote good young players, and just wait for your middling prospects to come up? That's your plan? How long do they stick with this strategy of we're going to put this horrible offer in front of every single young guy? Or just like every single guy on our team where we're interested in re-signing or extending? Like, I know they've been doing it for a while, but at this, at this point, they're just like... I mean, it sounds like when you hear from these young guys that we've heard from this week, Cassis and Bayo, they're immediately just disregarding that offer because they know it's not serious. I understand there's a style to negotiation. You come in kind of low, the other side comes in high, and you find something in the middle, and one person gets more their way than the other. But when you come in so low, like, do you forget your recent memory of what you did 
how you basically offended Xander to the point that he's like in tears in media availabilities and no, decides and, to go elsewhere. And bets. I mean, they never they never really got on the same page with Mookie ever. And so that to me is the instructive one. Like at least Bogarts at one point had a contract worked out, and at the end it, they were far apart. And they were lowballing him, you know, uh, before his opt out. John Lester's another one. Arkham brought up to me, and none of these players are Mookie. If they are, you're lucky. But that's the one where it's like every time they went to arbitration, they they were never on the same page. And that feels like what they're already doing with these young players, even if they're good. Casas and Bayo, they're already behind the eight ball on these guys. Yeah, like, okay, so you're not going to give them a comparable. And these are the ones where you're getting the discount. This is before they go and become, you know, big mega right. mega stars. This with is mega what contracts. they want. This is when you try and get them, and you're lowballing them here. So you know you're not going to do it if they ever actually bust out like that, and it comes time to, uh, to give them a big contract. You know that's not going to happen because you won't even do it now. It's really, it's really upsetting. Like, you, you can't keep lying about how it's all about building for the future and investing in the, in the youth movement and all that stuff and then have these young guys come up and you do the same thing i mean it's really it's just it's a cycle that's never going to progress anywhere no and i think that's where fans get frustrated and by the way like because i do see this rolling in on the text line people are going hey if you're not going to invest in the team why don't you drop some of the prices ticket prices concession prices they're never going to do that but on top of that when you look at what they're doing around the park do you think that's going to be an experience that gets the Fenway experience gets more or less expensive yeah, as course. time goes on. Of course, the prices are going to go up. And so what I think what I think fans get frustrated with is there's just, there's no end in sight. Like, if you just told the fans, hey, in 20, we're, we're going to rebuild for two years, and that's just what we're doing. And we'll start spending again this time, and we're going to lock up our young talent. And you got to say it, and then you got to follow through on it. I think if fans could see a light at the end of the tunnel – there would be a little more hope. And Isn't could, that why they signed Rafi? Well, I mean, ideally, but then what have they done since then? I think that's, but when we go back to, we were talking about this last week, Arkham brought it up. Why'd they do that contract? It makes no sense. You're going to be wasting Devers' prime years here because you're not spending on anything else around him whatsoever. I think it's like just to throw a bone to fans and make it look like there is some kind of light. Turns out the light's just a train. Just like run the other way. Got to sell somebody's jersey, you know. Like honestly, like that's I think that's what that was all about. No, and they're not doing anything to surround. And these are his prime years. You're it right. got people off their backs for a short period of time, just like firing high and bloom. Got people off their backs for a short period of time. But like at some point, you got to deal with all this, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's what's really frustrating for fans. And when you hear Tristan Cassis say, "Nah, I'm good," I, uh, you know, and Brian Bayo says, "Talk to me when you have a good offer." They're not close. And by the way, they're making a documentary with Netflix oh my God. through all this. Like, are they going to just have guys on their phones being like, yeah, that's it. No, you know what? Call me another time. Here's what Tomasi wrote today at NBC Sports Boston. He said, if nothing else, Netflix just signed up for one hell of a soap opera, mm. which I think is true. Now, how much of it are we going to actually see? I have no idea. As we found out with the Travis Kelsey stuff from NFL Films, that's never going to see the light of day. Like, that's we're never going to hear that, apparently. So they can cut whatever they want. But there's going to be a lot of material there. How many on-screen trade requ- requests are there going to be? <laughs> like, how many different players are going to it, demand a trade? It's it. going to be it's going to be like <laughs> the end of Rudy, where they all come in and they lay down their see-through pants. I can just, <laughs> it can get so ugly. We said this yesterday, and not just from the fans, but like from the actual particulars on the team. Jansen's already pissed. Devers is already pissed. Core is already talking through gritted teeth, and they haven't even started losing yet. Like, wait, wait till they start losing. Because it's coming. 
617-779-7937. You can vote in our big question of the day up now. At Jones and Mega, are the Red Sox worthy of your time this year? We know the answer, uh, but I want to see how high that number can go. Just to, just to relay that back to ownership, uh, if you want to send him a message, feel free to do so. Here on the phones, we will get to Gerard Mayo. Uh, he is going to speak at 3 o'clock, roughly. So we'll hear from him for the first time since, uh, well, Alex Van Pelt has been hired. Ben McAdoo, hopefully we get an explanation on what's going on, why these guys were brought in, what's the direction for the Patriots this offseason. That comes your way at the top of the hour. I do want to get into the Celtics, some comments from Jason Tatum in a one-on-one interview with Malika Andrews at ESPN. As a championship or bust for Jason Tatum and the Celtics this year. We'll get to that with your phone calls next. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Some things we just can't talk about. We're not going to be talking about sodomy. It's Jones and Mego. So I went down this rabbit hole. Ooh, tough transition. On WEEI. Who do you think's the best player in the NBA right now? Uh, myself. Is that, have you always had that kind of confidence? Because I don't, I asked you that question a year ago and you said it was Giannis. So what's given you that confidence? I got a lot of respect for a lot of guys in the league. Yeah. Giannis for sure. Um, Jokic, obviously he just won, and B, guys that won MVPs. Then uh, the list goes on, it's, the league is in a great place. Uh, I think, you know, the things that I've been through, uh, just through my career, things that I've accomplished, and yet, you know, I haven't got the ultimate championship, uh, I truly do believe every time I step on the floor, I'm the best player. Okay, so this is separate from Tatum winning the MVP. Voting will be there before he wins a championship. So you can be the most valuable player and not be the the best player in the sport. I mean, I think that was Embiid last year, right? Who feels Embiid is truly the best player in the sport? Maybe he had the best year, 
But is he the best player in the sport? No. And, you know, maybe people would no, feel that way. No, it's the fat boy. <laughs> like, maybe people would feel that way about Tatum, too. But you got to win. You have to win. To really be considered that next guy, you have to win. And so I got self-evident, and there's nothing Tatum can do about that right now in the middle of February. But that is hanging over his head. And it's Jones and Mego with Arcan here on WEI. We have uh, Gerard Mayo's press conference scheduled for 3 o'clock. I want to play you at least some of that live because I'm curious what he has to say. Why is Van Pelt the guy on offense along with Ben McAdoo? What's the plan for this offseason? Has he watched the first couple episodes of the Dynasty? Like, I, I want to hear some of this stuff, whatever he's asked, at 3 o'clock. So we'll play that for you live. But on the Celtics, Mego, we said the other they at least have to get to the NBA Finals and to be considered the best player in the sport which Tatum wasn't even saying about himself last year, apparently, when he sat down with Malika Andrews. They have to win. And I was looking at uh, just a random ESPN story, Kevin Pelton today. He tiered off the, the different teams throughout the league. The Celtics were on their own tier. Tier one, the favorite. Plus 260 at ESPN bet, if you care. He says Boston is putting together an all-time regular season. The Celtics are threatening to become just the 13th team in NBA history to outscore opponents by 10 or more points per game. And at one time, that was all but assuring of a title, you know, through Golden State doing it in 2015. Uh, ironically, that hasn't really held true. Uh, the Warriors went back, the Spurs, the Bucks, those teams all got knocked off despite that scoring margin. But traditionally, throughout NBA history, that's going to been a good barometer for predicting future success. Championships. Tier two, uh, you have the Nuggets, the Clippers, and somehow still the Bucks. I don't know how the Bucks are still on that list. Tier three, you get to Cleveland, Minnesota, New York, Oklahoma City, the Sixers, and Phoenix. And, like, some of the teams that are the highest uh, or have the best record out west, OKC, Minnesota, those teams are pretty far down. And so let's boil it down to the top two tiers. The Celtics by themselves, Denver, the Clippers, and the Bucks Win? Maybe you will be considered the best player in the sport. But if you don't, we're going to look at you as, you know, a guy who still hasn't gotten over the hump and a guy who's clock is ticking i saw a lot of debate about this around yesterday about if tatum can be the next face of the nba after lebron retires and i feel like that's kind of what we're dancing around this year i just don't think it's it's not tatum's year for mvp i've said that before and also what happens if the celtics do win like what do you think the narrative will be then do you think it'll be jason tatum put this team on his back and took them through the finals? Yeah. You do? Yes. I don't think so. I mean, that's how we generally talk about those that teams. That is how we generally talk about those teams, but this is such a different team in that I really do think that it's all about the starting five, and that might be unfair to Tatum. Have, they only have one other all-star. Like, I mean, we act like this team is just Right, stacked. and have, okay, but Jones, how much did you hear Celtics fans and people bitch about Derek White and Porzingis not being in the all-star weekend? Yeah, but I'm just telling you, I mean, we act like it's an embarrassment of talent. They had two all-stars. There are a bunch of teams with two all-stars. Absolutely. So, so I think, yes. The Knicks have two all-stars. Yeah, my answer is, yeah, we're going to talk about it like Tatum carried him. Because that that's how I think they're going to win. He's going to have to elevate. I think he is going to have to elevate. He has elevated this season. Like, his points per game are not exactly where they were last year or the second half of that year with Ime Odoka. But he is having the best, the most efficient season that he's ever had. And I think he's doing a lot of other stuff with creation and ball movement and all this stuff that people don't really care about, uh, but that I care about, that I where I think he's at his best. 
I just think Tatum's 25 years old. He's going to be 26 next month. He's in his seventh year in the league. It's, he talks about it like it's still very early days. And I happen to kind of agree with him. Like, he's got to win, certainly, before he's considered the best player or the face of the league or anything that you want to say that way. He's got to win, but I still think it's going to take a little more than that because he has such a supporting staff around him. I'm not saying he has to go out there and, like, do it without Jalen Brown or do it completely on his own, but he's certainly got to win first. Like you said, he can't do anything about it right now. And then we'll go from there and see, like, what he does to prove that he's better than Giannis, he's better than Jokic, he's better than some of these other guys who I think are outwardly just have this like freaky nature about them because they're either huge or they do something that other guys don't do. Tatum's an all-around fantastic player. Yeah, and I just disagree that it's early because, and you you sent us some names on this, but we've done this before, Arkan. You know, Magic and Bird won right away. Kobe had Shaq, won right away. Mm-hmm. Tim Duncan won right away. You know, so there's just, there's a lot of guys like, yeah, Jokic took a while and Giannis took a while and LeBron took a while. There's a lot of guys who broke through and won right away. It's not impossible. So there's no reason to wait. And I do believe if he breaks through and wins, and the Celtics should win, if he breaks through and wins, it, we're going to look at it like it's his league. I mean, I feel like that's how we talked about Jokic this offseason, and now maybe we're moving off of him too quickly. Yeah, but Jokic was like, Jokic and Murray, wow, what an incredible duo. But Why it was can't Jokic. you have a duo that's like that? But is that how we talk about it, or we talk about Jokic? We talked about that duo in the playoffs, yes. I mean... In the finals. we I, were we, The conversation we had is like, why can't Jason and Jalen play like Jokic and Murray? Sure, but... I don't feel like that was the dominant conversation. The dominant conversation is, is Jokic now uh, backing up the MVPs and is he the best player in the sport? Like, I feel like that was the dominant. We did talk about it is, but that also switched from Giannis really quickly. I mean, in the last five years, only three people won the MVP. It was Giannis twice, Jokic twice and Embiid. So like the Giannis is taking over for LeBron conversation kind of abruptly stopped there. And then it was sort of Jokic is the new guy. And then Tatum's going to be the new guy. This is all within a five year stretch. It's rare to see that, uh, to see so many guys repeat as, uh, MVP or even then to uh, to sort of come out as like the new face of the league. I think in terms of Tatum and the MVP, the two best arguments for him is that he's the best player on the best team and it may be his turn. But statistically, there's not really a great argument for it. There's not a great argument for Tatum to be the MVP. It's those other things. Yeah, I mean, but you act like his stats are bad. They're not bad. They're just they're not, not as good as Doncic. I mean, they're, you know, Doncic has better numbers. Uh, you know, Jokic definitely has better numbers. Giannis has better numbers. Uh, Doncic hasn't beaten, like, every single stat category. So, you know, if you want to go by the stats, then Tatum's are up there. He should be considered. But if he's really the MVP, it's going to have to be for those other reasons. Well, could you think of it like this? If you were to remove, like, the top five MVP candidates from their teams, like, if they had to miss 10 games, how much of a drop-off do you think there would be? Because to Mego's point on the starting five I feel like if Tatum had to miss a stretch I think that Celtics would would probably be okay as opposed to I've seen the Nuggets play without Nikola Jokic it is a completely different team I don't think the Thunder have the same success if Shea Gilgis Alexander is doing right but we've we've talked about this before so that's one way to talk about that could hurt him in in the eyes of of the MVP vote fine but let me flip it around what if you put Tatum on OKC are they better Tatum on OKC yeah I think so, too. If you put Tatum on Minnesota and swapped out you know you know, for that, SGA. I think that really bothers Tatum. When you hear him talk, like, they, we've heard a couple of these interviews now around All-Star Weekend and with Malika Andrews where he's talking about uh, his position in this MVP voting and as the face of the league and this other stuff. And he sounds very hesitant to say, yeah, last year I said it was Giannis, but this year it's myself. Like, it, I don't know. It, 
But then where you get him heated is when he's like, well, I guess because I was in the finals two years ago and that wasn't good right. enough for you guys, that you're going to go decorate SGA because he's putting up 31 a night on OKC. Like, I guess you love that guy already. And you love Luca, who's never been in the finals. Like, cool. And I'm like, okay, so take a little bit of that edge. If we combine that with how you feel about every other ref, in the league, like, I think then, yes, Tatum will be the face of the league for how angry he plays in the finals. I just, I, look, maybe I'm way off on this. If the Celtics win, I don't think we're going to be like, wow, what a great team. I mean, we might talk about that locally, and we'll, we'll give more players props okay, than just Tatum. I think that's, and I love Tatum, and I do think he's far and away the best player on the team, and he should be a top three player in the league. I think I will look at it as... This is this was the best team. He needed this to win. That's what I'm going to say. See, yeah. me too. I, but he's gonna be, young. He's young also. It's going to be more Tatum-centric, I think. You know, and he has a good team around him. There's no denying that. They are a good team. They're, they're the best, most talented team in the league. But I think they were last year. And I think they might have been the year before that. And so now you sit here, and what would what would the difference be? My feeling is it's Tatum. Like, unless he has an awful NBA Finals and they win in spite of him, which they could have done a couple of years ago. You think the difference is going to be Tatum? The difference isn't going to be switching. Look, Tatum, I think, has elevated his game. I said that before. You don't think the difference is going to be adding Drew Holiday and no. Porzingis? If Tatum continues to disappear, they won't win. If Tatum disappears in the finals, like, like I just laid out a scenario where if that happened, but I don't believe they'll win if that happens. If Tatum goes invisible again in the finals, they won't win. They can have a million Drew Holidays. They won't win. 617-779. I'll buy you a million, George Michaels. 7937. <laughs> we'll get to your feedback coming up. And we have Gerard Mayo about to hit the podium down in Foxborough. Let's hear what he has to say about the Patriots, their offseason, their coaching hires. That's next. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Hour number two, Jones and Mega with Arcan here on WEEI. We promised Gerard Mayo live at the podium in Foxborough. Uh, he's talking right now. Let's hear from him. Guys, in a while, I think it was in January, is really the last time I got a chance to, to uh, speak with you guys. I appreciate, first of all, you guys coming down. I know there are a lot of uh, unknowns right now, whether we're talking about the draft or free agency, but today is really about uh, the new coaches. And, you know, we'll have our coordinators up here to kind of speak to you guys. And uh, I don't know if Stacy told you guys, but afterwards, the rest of our new coaches, I think we have 17 new coaches, uh, they will come down and, and hopefully we get a chance to, to really vibe and connect. Um, they know that, you know, our relationship with the media is very important. Stacy and Aaron have done a good job explaining it to those guys. But at the same time, I think there needs to be uh, a good relationship between the two groups. And, and hopefully, uh, look, I'll try to make myself available as much as possible. Um, but at the same time, today is really just about uh, the new coaches and the coordinators. Yeah, the process, uh, it was definitely a learning experience. Uh, I've interviewed people in the past before for other jobs, uh, but this one was a little bit different, but it was, it was exciting. And I felt like I learned a lot. I learned a lot uh, from the coaches that came in and interviewed that didn't get hired. Uh, hopefully they had a, a good uh, sense of what we're trying to build here. Um, but it was, it was good. It was good this job now for a month, month and a half. What's been the biggest surprise for you so far? The biggest surprise for me really has been the lack of true football tape I've had an opportunity to watch right now. Um, as a head coach, it's kind of uh, a little bit different. Right now, we're trying to continue to you know, nail down the rest of the staff and also uh, get into some of the things we want to do in the near future. You mentioned learning new things from the coaches you didn't hire. What were a couple of those things? Uh, I mean, I don't want to get into X's and O's, honestly. Not today. Um, but it was, it was mainly about X's and O's and how those guys, uh, their leadership philosophies and, and things like that. It wasn't, it wasn't anything like groundbreaking, but at the same time, there were little nuggets that I took away. Oh, it was very important. It was very important for me to, to have someone that I can bounce questions off of that's actually sat in that seat. Uh, I, it's been great, and honestly, I, I have relationships with uh, coaches around the league as well that have offered to help. You know, they're not in the AFC, so that's a that's a good thing. Gerard, uh, you interviewed several candidates for offensive coordinator. What did you like about Van Pelt and I guess Ben McAdoo as well? Yeah, you know, you know, AVP. I'm not exactly sure, and I, I don't want to get into what happened at Cleveland, but all the people that I talked to. Um, they speak very highly of AVP. Uh, obviously, he understands the X's and O's of the game, but also uh, developing talent. And, and really, he is a relationship guy, which I fundamentally believe is very important. Uh, before you really get into X's and O's with the guys on the field, they got to know that you care about them. And one thing about AVP, which you guys will see here shortly, uh, he is a people person, but also with an extensive knowledge of football. Tried to go off of that. That offensive coordinator search, at least from afar, seemed wide-ranging. Um, a number of different people interviewed. Why was it important to cast such a wide net for that job? 
Yeah, this is my first time doing it. Um, so you want to make sure that you have uh, a bar set and then work off of that bar. I feel very, I feel very good about where our staff is. Uh, once again, look, there will be I mean, one-offs here and there, but uh, it, w- it was very important just to talk to as many people as we could so we can get a good feel uh, for who we wanted to hire. Obviously, you come from the defensive side and you've schemed against you know, all the best modern offenses. Did you go into this thinking like, oh, I went against this offense and I'd like to go, I'd like to hire somebody from that tree or, you know, how did it work for you? Uh, a little bit, I, you know, realistically, on, I'm not going to talk too much about football, but realistically on early downs, you're only going to get, you know, so many schemes. It's really the third down stuff that you really see coaches start to start to shine. It, it, it was important. Um, you know, anytime we played Cleveland or teams that it was at the top of my mind, uh, when we played teams like that, you always wonder, like, what are they thinking? And also, what are they thinking about us defensively? And so I feel like we've cast, you know, the net that we've casted, uh, I will definitely learn a lot from these guys as well as we uh, as we prepare for the opponents going forward. Uh, uh, look, Hightower, you know, he was my little brother when he got here. Uh, one of the smartest players that I've been around. And we've been talking about this for a while, I'll be honest with you. We've been talking about it for a while. Hightower has always really wanted to coach. He was a coach on the field. Obviously, he took the torch and kind of ran with it as far as the championships and and the leadership skills that he has. Uh, It it was very important, but it wasn't like a, you know, yesterday, hey, man, you know, you want to be my linebacker coach? This was was an extensive search. What kind, process. Just to be a sponge, the same way he was when he came in as a player. Just try to learn from as many people as possible. Uh, when I got here, I could talk, talk about my journey. Uh, you know, you have a guy like Demarcus Covington who really started off on offense, moved over to defense quality control. Then all of a sudden he's coaching the linebackers without the linebacker tag. Then he's going to the front. But he had an extensive knowledge uh, of, of different position groups and also I would say he really helped me with the behind the scenes stuff right the drawing of the cards and you know setting up practice and things like that Steve helped me as well uh I spent a lot of time with DC and confident in what he's what he's taught me so for Hightower he should do the same thing you mentioned the number of new coaches coupled with the ones that are coming back seems like a fairly large staff what makes you think that this number is the best number? Yeah, you know, one thing we, we wanted to make sure of is that we weren't duplicating roles. And so for for us, we were thinking about what value what value does this role uh, bring to the team? Now, for historically, we've always had small staffs. And, I mean, it's hard to get things done that way in today's NFL. We weren't really thinking about, you know, the size. We weren't thinking – we were just thinking about how can we make this staff as good as it can be. Now, look, honestly, uh, after talking to a lot of coaches, your first year coaching, like you hope you put together the best staff, but realistically, I mean, it's a process. How much did you rely on Elliot Wolf, Gerard? How much did you rely on Elliot Wolf to help you fill out the staff? Yeah, Elliot, uh, he's been great. He was in all the interviews. Um, he definitely has a lot of contacts and resources outside of the building. When you, when, you know, from my perspective, all of my football has really been here. So it was very important for me to bring in, you know, the AVP, the McAdoo's, Elliot. You know, Elliot grew up in the scouting world. Uh, he's been at multiple places. It was very, it was very important to get their point of view uh, as well. Do you anticipate making any more additions to the coaching staff at this point? Um, I would say it's still a process. We're still working through it. There are some roles that we're thinking about, but at the same time, uh, this is, I mean, we're pretty set. We're pretty set. AVP as your offensive coordinator, what are you expecting out of your offense on the field? 
Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm expecting, you know, first and foremost, a tough team. A uh, tough team. And I think after that, it really gets into uh, smart players. But you don't have to be a genius, but you have to be smart enough. And really uh, explosive players and guys that really play for one another. Uh, we want to check our egos. Oh, hold on. We, we, you know, this is, you know, even from a coaching staff, you know, I say it's an ego-free zone. And once we get the coaches on that same page, you hope that the players will, will follow suit and go out there and play for one another. A month ago, you, this day wasn't here, and now all of a sudden it is. So how are you feeling about that, that you're a month later now and you're almost got your final coaching staff and you're ready to move on? Yeah, I mean, it feels great. It feels great. And, and like I said, I'm very happy with the coaching staff that we have. You know, after this, you'll get a chance to uh, meet the coordinators, obviously, but also our position coaches will play a major uh, part in this team's success. Are you able to say whether Troy Brown is still on the staff? And if so, in what role? Yeah, Troy Brown is still on the staff. And, and once again, I would say uh, the staff is still pretty fluid, but he, uh, he is on the staff. What's your relationship like with Elliot prior to you ascending to the chair? Yeah, so once Elliot got here, we, I mean, we hit it off the first time we really met. He's one of those guys, he's an ego-free guy. He just wants to win football games, and that's what, that's what I live by as well. And um, he's been a great partner in this. Here, here. Absolutely, absolutely. From a team-wide perspective all the way down to the individual players, uh, our philosophy matches. We want to put good football players out there that are that are fast and smart and really play for one another. He sees it the same way. What role is uh, Robin Glazer? What duties is she performing for you? She was in on at least some of the interviews. But... Yeah, you know, honestly, like at, at this point in time, I just kind of want to focus on the coaches. Um, look, we'll have other opportunities to really talk about some of the things and some of the roles as it starts to really set into place. But right now, I'm focused on the coordinators, and I think we should focus on the coordinators and the assistant coaches. What attracted you to working with Demarcus Covington as a defensive coordinator? Yeah, you know, like I said, when I first got here, he showed me a lot of the behind the scenes. And so it was a it was a mentorship uh, or a reverse mentorship, however you want to look at it. I did it on the field, uh, but he also knew how to do, you know, the back end stuff. Look, this is one of those guys as well. You know, I've already talked about this being a relationship business where he has a great relationship with the players, you know, mind, body and spirit. He always talks about those things. And you can see from the development of the players in his room, uh, he was ready for the job. Rod, uh, in recent years, more and more coaching staffs haven't been showing up to the NFL Combine, uh, which is going on next week. Do you envision being there? And because you guys have the number three pick, is this an important one for you? Yeah, we're, we're still working through that stuff. Um, look, we'll, we'll talk about it after this, after this mic is out my face. But uh, at the end of the day, look, we'll have great representation there. And I have nothing but uh, the ultimate faith in Elliott and his staff as well, and also our coaches that are evaluating players both in free agency and the draft. What did you like about his philosophy? Yeah, you know, the, the one thing I would say about AVP is he can make the same concept look a bunch of different ways. And that's always hard for uh, for us on the defensive side of the ball. And, and really, like, it depends on the players that we have and the, the flexibility that he has as far as scheme is concerned. Um, he's been cross-trained, uh, you know, multiple teams. And I think that experience and that uh, that philosophy is going to do us well in the future. Jerron, you have... I got to get, get Karen. I got to get Karen real quick. Yeah. Did you feel um, limited at all because of your lack of context? And is that kind of where Elliot came in and made up 
made up for that in terms of filling out the staff? You, you know what I would say is, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses and we're trying to continue to sharpen our swords uh, through people and through their experiences and at the same time shore up weaknesses or areas to improve. Uh, look, I, I'm not going to sit up here and act like I have all the answers because I don't. And Elliot's one of those guys I'm going to lean on and McAdoo is one of those guys I'm going to lean on. Uh, AVP, all those guys are, are guys that I feel like I can lean on and learn a lot, as well as ownership, right? As well as ownership, uh, they've been uh, very supportive of what we've done. Filling out the offensive staff under Alex, did he make recommendations or did he have power over that hiring process? Yeah, I think one important thing is uh, for offensive coordinators is really to have the ability to have major input in hiring their own staff. Um, you want guy, you don't want to have to teach your coaches as well as now these guys are going to teach. You want them to have a fundamental understanding of your scheme. But in saying that, I would say it was a combination between, you know, Elliot, myself, Grow, uh, and AVP to really uh, nail the staff down. Good. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you in, what, an hour? Okay, so that's Gerard Mayo. What, what's he doing in an hour? I think they may be having some get-together after all the coaches speak, like a kind of casual meet-and-greet with... What does that mean? <laughs> I'm telling you. Happy, happy, happy hour. Like a cocktail hour? Exactly. <laughs> that's what I, I was going to say. Know that, like I don't toss. think that there's, like, alcohol involved, but I think it's it's a little bit of elbow rubbing elbows with the beat writer. Okay, well, so like... Ski. Okay, so like... Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah exactly. What, or mob wives. What was this? Like, what? I feel like he didn't answer anything. I feel like he didn't answer a thing, right? What answer were you looking for? I don't know. He gets asked if he's going to the combine. He's like, I don't know. We got to talk about that the second we get off the podium. But we'll have representation there for sure. Like, yeah, yeah right. I would think Robin so. Glazer, he gets asked a direct question. I don't want to talk about that right now. Like, oh, I well, we're here to talk about the coordinators. Like, I don't know. Like, he got asked direct questions, and he's like, I don't want to talk about that. Karen had a good question about, you know, the, the your lack of contacts, basically what has become of this staff. I, and did you lean on Elliot Wolf? He's like, well, we got a lot of shorts, uh, swords to sharpen. I think there were tons of good questions. Uh, he didn't answer anything. So I have two takeaways. He said takeaways. what he liked about certain coordinators. Yeah. Kind of. I have two takeaways, but I know we have to trend. Okay. This was this was about what he just, this is about the stupid cocktail hour. This is about good relationships and being available as much as possible is what he just said. This is about winning over the fan base or winning over the media because it's bad. That's what if he, he didn't answer a thing. He answered anything. He just got up there and he didn't snort in anybody's face and he was more likable than Bill, but there was no substance there. A couple None. shots at Bill, I thought. A couple yeah. shots at Bill. A couple shots yeah. at Bill. Okay, let's get into it. I mean, the I, I think I know one of them. You say a couple. The, the I heard si- at least two. The size of the coaching staff was definitely one. It was a bit of a measuring contest there. Uh, let's get to our thoughts on it. You can jump in. What'd you think of Gerard Mayo? Any answers? You feel better about the coaching staff? 617-779-7937. Arkham with all the latest and trending, and we're right back. Now, more of Jones and Mego on WEEI. Would be as your offensive coordinator, what are you expecting out of your offense on the field? Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm expecting, you know, first and foremost, a tough team. A tough team. And I think after that, it really gets into uh, smart players. But you don't have to be a genius, but you have to be smart enough. And really uh, explosive players and guys that really play for one another. Um, we want to check our egos. Oh, hold on. We, <laughs> we, you know, this is, you know, even from a coaching staff, you know, I say it's an ego-free zone. And once we get the coaches on that same page, you hope that the players will, will follow suit and go out there and play for one another. Drop it, Buster. It's Gerard Mayo just moments ago down in Foxborough. Uh, other coordinators are either talking right now. Demarcus Covington basically said he's going to call the plays on defense. 
Uh, we'll hear from Alex Van Pelt later on in the hour. But some interesting stuff from Gerard Mayo. Really more so, I would say, in what he didn't answer. Although that would be one of the digs at Bill Belichick. An ego-free, not just team, but coaching staff, Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like if you've been following the reporting on the Patriots that comes out, certainly from Andrew Callahan at the end of every season at this point, it sounds like there's a lot of ego clashing. Uh, I think there were a couple things that were that Gerard Mayo said there that were, I don't think intentional digs, but accidentally stepped into it if he was trying to avoid any um, any bad mouthing Bill or the way that Bill did things. Look, I think generally what he's you're right about what he's trying to do here. He's trying to demonstrate a new era of relationship between the coaching staff and the media down there, that he's going to be available. He's going to be seemingly open, at least publicly. He's going to outwardly facing. He's going to be available. Brian just said in my ear on time. I mean, that was, that was right at three o'clock. I mean, that was prompt. That wasn't Bill Belichick walking in. He's not going to snort at you. He's not going to cut off hoodie 15 minutes. He's not going to rip your head off in front of everybody or glare at you. Like he's not going to do that. He's going to laugh and, you know, move it along. Even if it's a question he's not going to answer, at the same time, I do think, like, it, his whole message seems to be it's it's going to be different around here, and I don't know how you get that message across without kind of, you know, sticking it to Bill. Yeah, I'd just say, I'd add, you want it to be an ego-free zone. If that's just a shot at Bill, fine. Bill had an ego. Gerard Mayo doesn't have an ego? Of course he does. Well, and it sounds to me like it was a problem last year. It sounds to me like... Are you talking you, about the miniature baseball bat? No, I'm talking about factions and him carrying himself a certain way and him starting to rub people the wrong way down there, even if they were Bill people. I think he made it clear he knew he was the coach in waiting when he answered the Hightower thing. And there were clues about this a year ago. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I told Dante Hightower he could be a part of my staff or whatever. And we've been working on this for a long time. Just stuff like that, I, I think... He carried himself like he was the head coach in waiting. I think that rubbed people the wrong way. So I would just make sure Gerard Mayo is taking his own advice that he doesn't have a giant ego because it sounds to me like he had an ego last year and that was part of the problem. One other thing that I took away from this is that Gerard Mayo feels secure in this job because how about that comment that he made about, hey, you want to get your coaching staff perfect right away. But I know it's going to be a process. Or he says in the first season, I know it's going to be a process. That's like that indicates to me that at least at this point in previously ownership has said there's a little runway here. We know it's going to be a rebuild like you got a little time. Yeah, I I kind of took that as we know we didn't get everybody we wanted. Well, that too. I mean, that's kind of how I took that one. And I get what you're saying. Maybe that is he feels secure. That might go back to the ego we were just discussing. But I took that as. Yeah, I know we're sitting here saying we're really happy with McAdoo and Van Pelt, but we're really not. I mean, that was kind of how I took that. Arkan, you thought there were more shots at Bill beyond just the uh, well, yeah, you guys the lack of ego. Kind of got to him. The ego thing. Uh, can't have a small coaching room anymore. You I know, you can't that do that in the one. NFL. That was anymore. a shot at Bill. For I thought sure. that was a hundred percent. I mean, and he's right. It's there's not many uh, teams that are like that, and I think that's why Bill had a tough time on the job market is because there's not a lot of teams that are interested in that. It's not the way the NFL is going. This was a unique situation with Bill sort of pulling all the strings, and Mayo knows you can't do that anymore. I also thought the ego free thing, like. If you, if you look at it, Gerard Mayo was the linebackers coach for several years. He was the de facto defensive coordinator. Bill wouldn't give him the job. He wouldn't give uh, Brian uh, Flores the job title either. Uh, he was competing with the boss's kid. You know, like the ego thing, I think, was more of a shot than maybe just 
uh, you know, we're all trying to be humble here. It was sort of like, you know, we all we all were under this guy's thumb for a long time. I was under his thumb for a long time. His ego was a big, you know, issue. It was a thing that came up a lot. And it may ultimately be what, you know, dropped us into this 4-13 and 13 mess that we're in right now. I think that that was more of a shot maybe than you guys do. And in the very beginning when he was like, yeah, you know, we have a different standard with the media now, that's not a big shot at Bill, but it definitely is, you know, we're doing it different. I don't think that was a shot. I think that was, hey, guys, like, there's a reason to come down here and pay attention and we're going to yeah. be nice to you. That was like sucking up to the media. I don't think that was a shot at Bill in any way. And I think the media, by the way, has eaten it up. I think they ate it up at his first press conference. I, I said this the second the press conference was done. I'm like, he didn't say anything. People just liked it because he was nice and he was engaging, which is better than Bill is with the media. Like, there's something to be said for that. But okay, fine, I get it. He's nicer than Bill. That's not hard to do. Then what? He's nicer than Bill. He answers all the questions. Got it. Well, he doesn't answer the questions. He gives you words. Fine. Because he really didn't. You're right. Answered uh, a question. One more thing that you thought was a shot before we get into a few of the non-answers, Mego. Um, you thought the uh, the line there at the end, I think it was the final question, about offensive coordinator, uh, they should have major input in hiring their own staff. You thought that was a shot as well? I absolutely do. If you believe the reporting from the Herald and that some others have, which was... Um, that Bill O'Brien came in and was essentially given the talent and given the coaching staff, and all he got to do was bring in a tight ends coach. He didn't have any say over who was on his staff, and it seems like that Bill O'Brien probably or someone from his camp pointed to that as a major problem. And so Gerard Mayo saying, I think it's really important to have Alex Van Pelt here and be part of hiring the re- out the rest of the offensive staff. Yeah, I think that's a way of him saying hey, you know what? We recognize that as something that wasn't working last season, and so we're putting it a little bit in Alex Van Pelt's hands. It's not just Elliot Wolf out there who's hiring everybody. Yeah, although he did he did give a lot of credit to Wolf, and, and there were a lot of questions about... Well, he was about, asked about it a lot. There were a lot of questions about Elliot Wolf, and, uh, you know, he even said, I think it was Karen who asked him at one point, Gregian, that, you know, hey, I'm not going to pretend like I have all the answers. I don't, which is why I lean on Elliot Wolf. He did mention Matt Groh at one point. I think I only heard Matt Groh's name once. So it's pretty clear, like, who the personnel person is down there. He mentioned that Groh sat in on meetings. Uh, so there's a little bit of information. I'm sure, uh, Wolf, rather, sat in on meetings. So there was a little bit of information there. But largely, I thought it was a lot of non-answers uh, to stuff that I, I wanted to know the answer to. Like, Troy Brown, what do we make of this answer? He said he's still on staff, but it's pretty fluid. He's still on the staff. What does that mean? I don't know. He's still getting paid, but we don't know how long I, he's going to be here. I have a guess. What? I, I think, and this goes back to something that Curran told us a couple weeks ago, and I just I can't shake the words that he used, where the Crafts aren't necessarily looking for all this change at once. I think Robert Kraft wants Troy Brown in the building. I think Gerard's like, well, you know, if I have something for you, great, but I am assembling my own staff and my own vision, and Troy, you're not a part of it. So yeah. you, hang out if you want to hang out. Because I don't think it's a, we don't want to pay him to not work for us, right? Like his contract was up. Right. I thought was the reporting, right? Wasn't he up? I thought so. That's what I thought. So, I mean, maybe he's still under contract. And they're just like, well, if we're paying him, he's showing up. Because uh, nobody else in the league wants him. Or maybe they're just worried about the PR hit they would take by moving on from a, a fan favorite. Um, and maybe it's that. Maybe it's just Robert needs his guys in the building, too. And this is an example, Arcand, of ownership and having their tentacles in football. Honestly. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you really need him in the building that bad, maybe give him a role like you gave Andre Tippett a role or something. You know, like it doesn't have to be on the coaching staff, especially. Yeah, but you then have... you don't get any info. Then you're just I guess. then you're just walking around shaking season ticket holders hands. Well, is wants... that what Robin Glazer's for? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? I think so. Yes. Yeah. And we'll get to her. Uh, so I didn't get a good answer on that. I hated the combine answer. We're still working through whether or not we're going to the combine. When he's does that not, start? He's not going. When does that start? 
uh, the combine next week. Like, it starts what Monday. The, what the hell? Twenty yeah, sixth. We're still quarterbacks work- go Friday. We're still working through it. We're going to talk about it after. Like what? Are you going or are you not going? I mean, to me, that was a no. We're not going. I'm going. Yes, I'm going. Right. Yeah. So I, I I agree, but just like, can you answer that question? What the hell? And then the uh, the Robin Glazer one. Yeah, guys, I'm going to focus on the coaches. We'll have other opportunities to talk. So now we know Robin Glazer is not a coach. Okay. But why wouldn't you just answer that? He's, I'm sure he was told, like, advised, just don't talk about it. People right. are trying to make this Glazer thing into a thing. Just don't talk about it. Okay. So why? why? If it is, If it isn't a thing, well, just be like, yeah, but just answer it. Just be truthful. If it isn't a thing. If it's a thing, then your bosses say don't talk about it. I would guess because her role is, like, nebulous and hard to define. And if he starts talking about it, then he's going to step in it. I I, I genuinely think that that's what it is. It shouldn't be a hard role to define if it's minor. I don't think it's a minor role. I don't think so either. I just don't think it's involved in personnel on the team. Okay. We have some answers as to what it is involved with. Uh, Arkan sent this from the New York Post. You can jump in with your thoughts on Gerard Mayo. Uh... You know, I, uh, did he feel truthful? Did he feel, um, you know, like somebody who was going to to give you a good view of what was going on with the team compared to Bill? Uh, you can jump in on that, uh, along with some of his answers there. Not much on Alex Van Pelt or Ben McAdoo or really anything of substance uh, outside of a few stray shots at Bill. You can jump in again, 617-779-7937. Uh, sent this from the New York Post. Uh, Robin Glazer quite literally picked up the pieces for the reeling Patriots after Spygate. The most jarring scene in the next two episodes. We're going to get to Spygate. I think it's episode four, which uh, they come out late Thursday night, early Friday morning on Apple TV, is a reenactment of Gla- She's reenacting. A reenactment of Robin Glazer, who was hired by Patriots owner Robert Kraft to be a liaison to the league, walking down a hallway of the team facility with a hammer in her hand. Now, is this going to be like an unsolved mystery? That's what it sounds where like. Where it's like just the, from behind, you see the silhouette of someone swinging a hammer. Isn't that what it sounds like? Kind of. I mean, am I, it says it's a reenactment. So, like, somebody's reenacting it. Maybe it's her. Like a baseball bat in the ground <laughs> behind her. <laughs> Blood in the, on the floor. It's a, call, from walking it's a callback to 2007 when she met NFL security to smash the illegal videotapes made by a Patriots employee with a camera focused on the Jets' sideline of films co- uh, uh, of uh, to film coaches' hand signals rather during the season opening game in East Rutherford. Quote from Robin Glazer, I remember walking down the hallway and asking someone for a hammer, she said, and they took the hammer to the tapes. I'm on my hands and knees in a dress and high heels, wow. picking up the tapes and throwing them away. And I remember thinking to myself, all the news cycles, all the commentary, this is done, it's over. We've been fined. This is over, and that is not at all what happened. Which I'll say. I mean, who in the office wrong. has a hammer on hand like that? Like, oh yeah, here's my here's a hammer I mean, for you. you know, facilities. Like, like, I'm sure, I'm sure I they can find it in there, a stadium. They're always yeah. working on something in the stadium. Yeah, I mean, that, I don't find I guess, that yeah, to be. It is construction. You know, I mean, I don't sure. think she went to like Robert Kraft's desk and, and you know opened the drawer, but bears pops out. But like, she she's literally picking up the pieces of the videotapes and she's providing the hammer to smash the tapes. It doesn't directly say, unless I'm missing it, she's the one uh, smashing down with the hammer. She says they took a hammer to... Right. They took a hammer to the tapes. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. I just... there's there's, I'm on my hands and knees. There's something about her role that keeps coming up where Mego just keeps trying to dismiss it and it's not a it's not a significant role and it's like she's literally there picking up the pieces to Spygate and thinking it's over and done with. And she's right from that point forward... She is a bigger and bigger part We're of the organization. We're talking about two different things. 
I say that she doesn't have a significant role when it comes to personnel talent on the team. I genuinely don't think that yeah, she does. In 2007, she didn't. Does she now? I Is don't she think, going to? I don't think she will. Well, I know you say you don't think she Coaching will. Coaching staff, though? I mean, she's I, sitting in on interviews. She's there in the interviews. That's, that means she has a role. I think she's there as, like, the whatever, again, nebulous compliance thing that she does. Well, then, that's what Gerard Mayo should have said. That's what he should have answered today. She's compliance lady? Yeah, he, you know, uh, she sat in on some meetings and, you know, she helped us with whatever she helped. I, mean, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think she's part of the hiring process. But he's like, ixnay on the Azer Glazer. So, like, I think the reason he didn't First answer. First rule of Robin Glazer is you don't talk about Robin Glazer. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, her, she just keeps coming up. And, like, I don't in know. The background, like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> over and over again. I never knew this lady's name until a month ago. And now she keeps coming up. Uh, also, apparently, in this upcoming episode, Kraft candidly admits he pleaded with NFL lawyers not to suspend Belichick to protect his reputation, agreeing to eventual penalties of half a million dollars, uh, which was the fine for Belichick, and a $250,000 fine, along with the loss of a first-round pick for the organization. Was that a good thing in retrospect? <laughs> like, shouldn't they, shouldn't they have just suspended Bill? Like, Probably, yeah. Oh, and, and maybe you could have held on to your draft pick, but whatever. I mean, they ended up being uh, a win for a while after Spygate. By the way, Kraft. What a guy. <laughs> you know, wow. Really, really having your guys back there, huh, Bill? <laughs> it's not, that's worth stabbing him in the back and then throwing him down the garbage chute on the way out, too. You know, because you were really well, you Kraft, really tried to protect his reputation. But Kraft had but Kraft had his back there. You don't you don't think Kraft had his back there? He did, but the fact that he's talking about it now in the midst of, you know, shoving him out the door, I just think is kind of ironic. Oh yeah, no. The interview Kraft is, is today. The way like, he's talking about yeah. it today, you know, it's like, oh, I, I did bent over backwards trying to protect Bill Belichick. I was really the savior. I was really trying to do all this. It just goes more to the Kraft Dynasty LLC crap, really. I is, uh, is what I mean. By yeah, that. no, I mean, I do think he had his back throughout the the Belichick stuff. Uh, meaning Spygate. I do. Uh, but obviously, you know, I mean, he chose Bill over Brady for God's sakes. I think he had Bill's back on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to a fault. I mean, I think that was a problem for Robert. So I, I don't think he's lying there when he says he had his back. I think they fought hard to, to prevent him from being suspended. I think, I, but I, I don't think he's lying either. I'm just not at all surprised that he's harping on that and making sure everybody hears it. You know? I just like, don't. That's what it is. I don't think that should play well. I, I don't think. I don't think how much he had Bill's back should play well. He, great, Robert, you cost the team a first round pick. Great, Robert, you cost them Tom Brady. Like I don't think that should play that well, to be honest. I'm still trying to figure out like the league compliance part because we talked about this before with Robin Glazer, where she's like, "Here's my job. I pick up the pieces of videotape to comply. We've been fined. I'm throwing these out." Right. The Patriots, again, just so innocent. She's like trying to, she's trying to put them through a shredder machine. <laughs> like, it's not working. You know, I mean, her star began to rise with the organization when she found a hammer to smash the Spygate tapes. That's when Robert Glazer started taking off like a star within the organization. Uh, 617-779-7937. You can jump in on this. We'll get to the number three pick as well. Uh, what are the Patriots doing there? Are they quarterback ready? Uh, this is something that I heard Andy Hart talking about earlier today. We read a tweet from Matt Miller yesterday. I want to get into that with all your feedback next. Get Boston Sports Original on the go. Wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it. Jones and Meko on WEEI. Based off right now, I'm of the view that the first three quarterbacks on the draft are capable enough that no matter what happens at pick one and pick two, the Patriots bereft of a quarterback option right now on the roster and needing to plug so many gaps elsewhere that even if you just added like Marvin Harrison Jr. or Roma Dunes and Malik Neighbors, like they're still so far away that the advantage you're gathering uh, from having one of those players is sort of neutralized that I would just take whoever quarterback three is. 
That was Field Yates on what the Patriots should do at pick number three. We can get into it. Are they quote-unquote quarterback ready? I heard Andy Hart talking about this on my drive-in earlier today. And I would be on his side. Like, but you're not quarterback. You're not good enough for a a good quarterback, a talented quarterback? That, to me, is nonsense. Uh, We can get into it. Uh, Real quick, Alex Van Pelt is uh, probably wrapping up now, I would imagine. All these coordinators were scheduled to go for about 10 minutes. We played you Gerard Mayo live. Uh, Here's a few things that jumped out from Van Pelt as I'm looking at some of the tweets. Uh, He said, I wouldn't say it's going to be the same offense as Cleveland, but similar to how Stefanski ran his offense in Cleveland. Okay. Which echoes what he said on social media the other day. Run first. A quarterback will be part of the offense, which I didn't like hearing at the time. Sounds like he leaned in more on that. Uh, Asked about his ideal quarterback. He wants a smart, tough leader at quarterback. Uh, What about the football, though? Yeah, what about the talent? What What about about the football part? What about the arm? What about the athleticism? A smart, tough leader. Yes, and? (laughs) That doesn't sound like enough. Again, he's not winning me over. Uh, He alludes to being the Patriots' primary offensive play caller. So, like, that was Cadlick's translation. That's a tweet from Mike Cadlick alluding. So I'm not quite sure what he did for that, but... Similar to Covington. Covington seemed to say he's going to be the play caller. He's like, who's got two thumbs and will be calling plays? <laughs> Van Pelt seemed to allude to the same. Uh, a couple of tweets here from Giardi. He said, right now, everything is on the table. When asked if he could envision Mac Jones as the team's starting quarterback. No! No! And he also said earlier, he believes there are good pieces in place on offense. Who? He's taking over. Uh, the offense he's taking over. He also notes everyone gets a clean slate. Later says he's spoken with Mac, among others. So Mac's name came up a few times. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, look, he also said he wants a smart, tough leader. So XXX for Mac. I mean, those are not those are not his strong suits. I don't know what are his strong suits, but those ain't them. So if we're going to hold him to what he wants out of a quarterback, Mac Jones has not checked those boxes, but... I don't like hearing Max name that much out of a guy on offense. Look, at least he gave answers, right? True. I, I'm, I can't see what the questions were yet. Um, but he was asked about Max, so he says he's talked to Mac and everything's on the table. Like, even if you don't like the answers, at least he gave, he addressed it. He wasn't like, I'm just going to sidestep Mac and yeah, talk I'll, about quarterbacks I'll in general. I'll talk to you guys in four. <laughs> like, whatever soiree they're having over there uh, at, at, at Gillette Stadium which I'm still unclear on. So, like, they're all, they're going to have, like, another background off-the-record thing after this? I don't even know if it's that. I, I just think that they're doing something where they're rubbing elbows, hanging out. I don't know what it is. I just heard tell of it. That is... I wasn't invited. That is currying favor with the media. They're not is. currying favor with me. No, but, but with beat writers, beat reporters, that's what yeah. they're doing. And, you know, whatever other media is down there, TV and whatnot, they're, try- they're trying to create new relationships to get on the good side of the media down there, which is suspect. I'm not going to say I blame him for doing it, but it's suspect. Uh, 617-779-7937. How about our buddy Coach up in the 603? Go ahead, Coach. Hi. um, Regarding quarterback, under the following scenario, I'm very curious who you, Mego, and Christian would take as a bridge. And the following scenario is that they don't take a quarterback with the third pick, and they clear their current quarterback room right out of Jones and Zappi. And so if you all had a chance to look at the NFL free agent quarterbacks and those who may be um, cut in the upcoming days, I'd like each one of you say, 
who might be a bridge. Okay, coach, I'll ask Mego. Mego, who's your bridge quarterback? Like, if I could have anyone who may be available? Yeah. I would go with Baker. I don't think he's going to be available. Arkan? Cousins. Cousins. I yeah. thought you weren't paying Kirk Cousins. I don't want to pay Kirk Cousins, but if I have to pick one of these guys uh, to be a bridge, then I'd want him. I think you would hold best. your nose and pay him? Yeah. Okay. If good. I had if I had, to, I don't want a bridge quarterback, but if I had to, I'd pick him. Uh, Fields. I would trade a second or third rounder for Fields. I'm not trading three, obviously. But if I really had to, push comes to shove, and I don't like these quarterbacks in the draft. Let's say the Patriots don't. They like Caleb Williams. They hate Drake May. They hate Jaden Daniels. My answer is Fields. And I would give up 34 to get him. I would pay that much to get him if I had to. Uh, Meanwhile, we're just discussing Alex Van Pelt on quarterbacks. Here's what he had to say about the QB, uh, the ideal QB for him. Yeah, um, if you're evaluating a a quarterback prospect, whether it's this year, next year, or any year, what specifically are you looking for? What traits do you like? What do you want to see? And and a quarterback you might have to work with going forward. Sure. Um, You know, again, just goes back to um, decision-making, accuracy, um, you know, the fundamentals of mechanics, if the guy's sound. Um, big one, again, is leadership. You know, um, was he a four, three-year captain? You know, why wasn't he a captain? So all that really plays together. Um, the big piece for me is the, the leadership, the toughness, the accuracy, and the decision-making. You could, you could switch them in either way, but the, all four are super important. Okay, so we didn't get the full answer. He cares about accuracy. He cares about decision-making. Now, the last one, decision-making, is not something that would yeah. be in Max's favor just, over just, the last and year. And just listen to how he ordered it, too. I mean, what, he can say you can put him in any order when he gets pressed, but the way he answered it is we want a guy who's been a captain for a few years. Can we look this up? Who's been, who's been a captain out of uh, Williams and Jaden Daniels and Drake May? It doesn't mean you have to look it up, Ryan. Uh, uh, Jacob, uh, can somebody look that up? Like, Chop you. How, how many times were these guys captains? And I don't know, like... The, I don't know that Caleb Williams sounds like a great leader. And so my guess is Daniels was a captain a bunch. Daniels was a captain. Yeah, that that's my guess. Out of those three, if they're talk if if you're if you're trying to talk up a leader, maybe they just know that's who's dropping into their lap at three, so they're getting in front of it and talking up a leader and a multi year captain. And so it's like, oh well, they can put out into the ether, we want somebody who's been a captain. And they kind of know Jaden Daniels is the guy who's going to drop to them. Maybe that's part of the answer. Drake May has been a captain. Also, I hear Caleb Williams captain. All hey, three all three how many captains. years? Yeah, right. That's what I mean. Um, I know they were last year. I don't know. Okay, so like maybe they were all captains, and it's, it's irrelevant. But the one, I I think the one, uh, you know, look, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I'm not the uh, Daniel Jeremiah Dane Brugler of the draft, but. I think the one who's regarded as the best leader is Daniels. I hear Alex Van Pelt talk about what he looks for in a quarterback, and I don't think he would be the biggest proponent of team feet. I think he's looking for a guy that he can rein in, make sure he's on schedule, and sit there in the pocket and make good, accurate throws I mean, with, with smart decisions. He doesn't sound like a guy who wants a quarterback Which all that sounds much. like the last guy that was here. No, he doesn't sound... Look, think of where he just came from. They won a bunch of games with four different quarterbacks, and they found Joe Flacco off the scrap heap, and they made the postseason. So he doesn't sound like a guy who even wants a quarterback all that much. Like I, they, they, or at least a quarterback that's all involved. They want to run the football. It's what he told us a couple of weeks ago. They're drafting a tackle. <laughs> so they might draft a quarterback because it's Robert Kraft's call and Jonathan Kraft's call and Robin Glazer's call and not stop their it. call. You stop that. Like Robin Glazer has more input on who they're drafting than Alex Van Pelt. I believe that. I don't believe that. I do. Alex Van Pelt. I think he'll have. A, he'll at least be able to give comments. Robin Glazer was interviewing Alex Van Pelt. Uh huh. 
Okay, so I think he's gonna. Ha- I think she'll have more input on who they draft. Personnel him. is different than interviewing the coaches. Okay, we'll see. Uh, her name again. She's she's smashing tape. She's getting uh, elevated. She's gonna run football ops. Uh, is what uh, was written by Seth Wickersham. So, you know, I, I they might have a quarterback forced on them. Is my point, but. I don't know that he sounds like somebody who he's like, ooh, yeah, well, let's get the quarterback, and it's all going to be about the quarterback on offense. That's not the vibe I get. I just don't get the vibe that there's much of a vision that he's bringing in here. It's my biggest takeaway. He talks about, yeah, you know, it's going to look kind of like what I just did in Cleveland, kind of a Stefanski thing. Uh, I want a smart quarterback. It, it is quite vague. Like, I give him credit for straight up answering the Mac stuff and saying, yeah, I've talked to Mac and everything's on the table. But when it comes down to the brass tacks of what kind of offense are you going to run? You call him plays? Like, what kind of quarterback do you want? There's not a whole lot of there there. And it makes me wonder if, you know, they're not even answering if they're going to the combine next week, if they've settled in and said, this is the quarterback we're going for. Or if they're just not going to, they're just playing some kind of game and they're never going to say it. Okay. Uh, 617-779-7937. Some of your takeaways from the coaching staff today. We heard from them for the first time. Are the Patriots quarterback ready? is another discussion that's come up. Matt Miller had a tweet yesterday, and I'll paraphrase. He basically said, I can't see putting a quarterback on this roster. They don't have anything. You're going to get the quarterback killed. You're going to ruin his confidence. So I think that's nonsense. Like, I think if the quarterback's there, you better take him. And if you're afraid to roll him out uh, week one, then be afraid to roll him out week one. Bring in a bridge quarterback. That's fine. And uh, you were reading something, uh, or you dropped in something from Chad Graff, alluding to Jacoby Brissett, who played for Van Pelt in Cleveland. Fine, bring in a bridge quarterback like that. I'm okay with that. I know Phil Perry's written about that at NBC Sports Boston. So bring in a bridge quarterback. I would play the quarterback week one, but I'm not outraged if you bring in some QB to play for a month or two months. But this idea that you have to pass on a quarterback entirely, like don't draft one because you're not quarterback ready, that's silly. You got so much money to spend in cap space. Like to the way that people are talking about, yeah, this roster is really bad. This is what it'll look like week one. The roster is really bare. But to pretend like you can't go out and do things in free agency, resign some of these guys in particular, and do things in the draft. Look, I'm definitely of the mind that you're not going to be in the playoffs next year, and it's pro- it's going to take bare minimum two years. It might take a little bit longer. Like if you do things <laughs> right, I think it's going to take two to four years that you're in a real playoff competitive place again. But I don't think that it's a reason not to take a quarterback. 617-779-7937. What are they doing? What should they do? What would you think of Gerard Mayo and Alex Van Pelt? You heard the, the full Gerard Mayo answer. You heard a little bit there from Alex Van Pelt. We'll get back to it. And we'll get back to our big question of the day. It's a good one. It's a doozy. And the uh, the voting's pretty ugly. For the Red Sox, are the Boston Red Sox worthy of your time this season? We'll get back to it with all your feedback next. It's been an odd, slow-developing market for whatever reason. Every year has sort of a different sort of feel to it. I'll tell you, last night at dinner, Raquel and Brez and AC and Eddie and I and a few others got a FaceTime from Dustin Pedroia, and he reminded us who's still out there on the market and what opportunities might be out there, so we appreciated that perspective from Petey. Any, any talk of acting on any of his advice? He, uh, he was very clear about his feelings. Mego, translate like you were just saying off the air, if you could. So dorky. Yeah, he FaceTimed us because we're so cool. Cool is <laughs> like, let me get on this FaceTime, jump on this call with S. Kennedy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, we're we're you know. just we're young at heart. We're TikToking, we're FaceTiming, we're doing all that cool stuff. PD wants to talk to us. 
You know, we're not Android uh, green bubbles like that idiot Jones. We're having a house party later. Our parents aren't home. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Dustin Petroy is going to FaceTime. He's like, bro, sweet, turn the camera around. Bro, I got something to say. Yeah, I get I get the Spice Channel. No biggie. <laughs> Come over. So is all up in my DMs. <laughs> so, like, Sam Kennedy just trying to sound cool. And as usual, what I get, I get a FaceTime. Blows up in his face. We'll get to that this hour. Hour number three, Jones and Mega with Arcan. Here on WEEI. Uh, if you missed any of Gerard Mayo, we'll circle back to some of this. But I think the Patriots are basically begging the media for coverage and, you know, fair coverage in their minds, which to me would be unfair. Like, to me, would be flattering. Giving, yeah, giving them the benefit of the doubt, flattering. Like, Mayo. You know, and I'm reading some stuff now that's coming out. We we mentioned this when it happened. But he talked about, hey, I appreciate you guys coming down. And I'm going to be available. And working with relationships with the media is super important. And I'm going to be available as much as possible. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's what they're trying to do right now. They're trying to win over the They're begging the media to get flattering coverage. I think was a lot of the goal of today. But we got some answers, and certainly non-answers, out of Gerard Mayo. We got some answers out of Alex Van Pelt. We'll get back into that. A few shots at Bill Belichick as well. Uh, plus your phone call, 617-779-7937. Our big question of the day, it's up now, at Jones and Mego. A lot of votes. And it continues to tick up ever so slowly in the anti-Red Sox category. Are the Red Sox worthy of your time this season? Uh, I thought I knew the answer before we asked this to the people, but I wanted a tangible number. I wanted an actual real number to show to Red Sox ownership and to reference going forward, like how checked out the fan base is. Because the owner doesn't care. We know that. He doesn't give two craps about the team. He's probably bothered to even show up in Fort Myers. That's how Ryan put it. Like, Ryan's like, anybody caring about the team is an inconvenience to ownership right now. The players don't want to be there. Kenley Jansen was 50-50. He was going to get on the flight or even be on the team. Uh, he's outspoken about the situation, as is Rafael Devers. I don't think the manager wants to be here. They all think they're they're going to suck this year. The losing hasn't even started yet. And so, no, they're not worthy of the owner's time. It doesn't sound like they're worthy of the manager's time. Uh, they're not worthy of uh, the, the team's time, meaning players on the team. How are the Red Sox worthy of my time? And so, no, they're not worthy of my time. And I, I have trouble seeing what would make them worthy of my time. Like, how do they become worthy of of spending our time and investing in like how do they even become that team and and worthy of that they would have to do something to demonstrate like a total change in philosophy something more than like parameters they'd have to go out and sign blake snell and sign jordan montgomery both yeah okay. do something that's like so that one, big of a splash this is what i was this is exactly what i was Who are you ask. bring in and you go actually uh sorry craig breslow step aside theo epstein is taking that job that would be the level of splash that you need to make to have undivided attention right now the most i can give you is divided attention okay jordan montgomery doesn't that doesn't make you invest no wouldn't make me invest it's not enough arkham would that make you invest um i'd be i think it was a good move but not completely no yeah i mean i just think they have to have a good, they have to have like a whole good month of April for me to even give them some side eye. Like that's how I feel about the Red Sox right now. They have to have a really good month of April and they're starting on the West Coast. So good luck with that. Good luck with getting eyeballs on the team when they're playing at 10 o'clock every night. But like they have to have a good month of April for me to wake up May 1st and go, huh, maybe it's time to glance over at the Red Sox. Like that's, that's where they're at 
And that's how people are voting. We all voted no when we did this earlier. I think it's self-evident. They're not worthy of your time right now. 86%. That's up from 84 to start the show. 86%. I mean, presumably Red Sox fans. Like, you know, I mean, maybe there are Yankee fans in there. Maybe there are people who consider themselves Patriot fans or Celtic fans or Bruins fans before Red Sox fans. So maybe Boston sports fan is more accurate to say. 86% say, no, they're not worthy of my time. I can't blame them at all. Well, like, I, what, I have they, what have they done in the offseason for you? Like, they let Turner walk. They dump sales salary. They bring in a prospect for pitching. And they send pitching out. They bring in an injured guy who you maybe will get to see after the All-Star break. You piss off Kenley Jansen. You piss off Rafi Devers to the point that he's talking about it publicly for the second time since the All-Star break last year. Yep. You didn't do anything for them. Like, you didn't do anything for this fan base to the point that we're looking at last year's offseason, which we were bitching about then because we thought it wasn't enough. We're sitting here going, like, like that looks like a totally different franchise compared to this one. And it's like, okay, so do you look around the division and you just decide division's too good? And so you're just going to wait for, like, three years before you do anything again? How long are you telling this fan base to wait? Because you look at their prospects right now. We'll talk about the lists and where your up-and-comers that are actually at the major league level, where they rank among other real stars in the league. And then you look at your prospects, and your prospects are just middling too. So this is where I think the fan base is at. They're like, If you could just tell them honestly, uh, John Henry gets the truth serum, and he decides to actually speak. And he says, look, we're just not going to spend until 2025, 2026, whatever that year is. We're going to develop and invest in the farm system. We like our prospects. It's not where we want it yet, but we're not really going to spend and really go for it for two years. Isn't that kind of what he's doing? Okay, but they're not saying it. Through Kennedy? No, no. Sam Kennedy's saying the parameter, nothing's changed. Sam Kennedy is saying there are parameters, but they're the same parameters they've been since 2002. They're in build mode. Right. And so, but he's also saying it's the same. And he called you liars earlier this offseason. That was bad. So, like, no, that's not really what they're doing. So, if they came out and they were honest, then I think Red Sox, like, you'd lose some fringy fans, whatever ones you still have. But the hardcore Red Sox fans, I think, would go, okay, fine. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I know when that is. Right now, you're just in this perpetual you know, hamster wheel See, where I nothing think lot, happens. I think a lot of fans would say, then sell the team. Why do you own the team if you're going to go through these long cycles? So, they're, so their answer we're talking would be, about like a six-year so cycle where you're choosing not to spend. Okay. Are you telling Robert Kraft to sell the team? No. You're you're going to give the Patriots four years. You said three or four years last segment. So, like, are you telling Robert Kraft to sell the team? So, if, I, if I'm if i a Red Sox, if I'm the Red Sox, I go, well, look I'm at the saying, Houston Astros. I'm, not say, I'm saying I think a lot of Red Sox fans would say that. Hey, if you're not interested, you said it yourself, Jones. Like, the way that the Red Sox win... Most of the time when we're talking World Series Spend. is by having high payroll. Simple. And so if you're not interested in having high payroll anymore, then it looks like this other way that you're trying to do it doesn't work for you. They they want a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what they want. And I don't think the Red Sox are going to give it to them because I don't think they know when that is. I think fans also believe that the Crafts do care about the wins and losses and don't believe that John Henry does. I think that's just the perception, and I don't think it's completely off the wall. No, either. I think you're right. Yeah. But, it, but it is perception. It's because I don't. I think if you actually, you know, uh, to to use a phrase, look under the hood. Uh, once you actually look at it, I don't. I mean, Robert Kraft is not spending on his team, just like John Henry's not spending on his team. But the perception is Kraft cares and Henry doesn't. That's absolutely the perception. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Let's go to Jeff in Narragansett. Go ahead, Jeff. 
Hello, Jeff. Jeff. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? We're doing well. What do you got today? Are the Red Sox worthy of your time, yes or no? They certainly aren't worthy of my time. I've been a lifelong Red Sox fan, so I'm 47 now. So I, I definitely lived through the bad times as well as some of these good times. But um, if Dave Dombrowski can't even talk about his time with the Red Sox and how bad ownership was then, I mean, I don't know what we're waiting around for this year. Yeah, I still am wondering why he wouldn't engage on that. First, he was like, it's too soon. And then he was like, that was a long time ago. We why read, are you asking me about we this? We read those comments yesterday. I'm not sure everybody's aware of them, but Dave Dombrowski would not comment on his time in Boston, but he was more than happy to comment on his time in Philadelphia. And as Mego just said, he's like, well, it's too fresh. Oh, it was so long ago. He's contradicting <laughs> himself. So, like, why, why won't he talk about his time in Boston? Maybe he just feels like they're already getting beaten up. And, again, the results of our uh, big question of the day would tell you they're getting beaten up pretty good. So maybe he just doesn't feel like he needs to get in the mud because he already knows how they're viewed. Uh, our buddy Matt and Walpole, Mego put out uh, uh, a proof of life yesterday for Matt and Walpole. We hadn't heard from you well, in a while. I put out, like, the bat signal, except oh, it was God. a sock against a building. So I was that, like, where's Matt and Walpole? Did you, did you hear that, Matt? Did you hear that? Oh, no, I didn't yesterday. I, I would have called yesterday if I had. I, I, no, I'm not having fun, guys. This is terrible. I... Are the Red Sox worth worthy of anyone's time? No. Are they worthy of my time? Yes, because I'm a sicko. Like, and I play Dynasty Fantasy Baseball, so, like, I, I have to know about them. But, like, are they – no, they're not worthy of anyone's time. You're not even spending for the luxury tax, and you have the glaring hole in your starting rotation. Like, I don't – I don't understand – What's going on? I wish someone would grab John Henry by the head and like shake him vigorously and tell him to wake up because I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Is there stuff you can be interested in the team in this year? Yeah, sure. You could be interested what in is, the young guys. What I is am, that stuff? But... Okay, wait. So this is actually what I wanted to ask you. You have a you have a fantasy you have a dynasty fantasy baseball team, right? Yes. How many Red Sox are on that team? There's a good amount of them. I traded a pretty low round pick for Jaron Duran last year, and that worked out pretty well for me. I've got Sedan Rafaela sitting in my minor system with Marcelo Mayer, and I, I branch out too. I've got other teams' prospects. In so there. you are the Red Sox. But I do. Okay, I, but... I, I genuinely like our our minor league system. Okay, and that's fine. But like, listen to how invested he is. He's like, oh yeah, I, I play dynasty fantasy baseball. I have Sedan Rafaela. I traded a late round pick for Jaron. De- like, this is a man who is invested in the team, and he, and he said, look, I'm a sicko. But he's like, no, this team isn't worth anybody else's time. Like, that's how it, that's a, when I say John Henry, I want a tangible number for John Henry to look at. 86% of fans right now are saying, no, they're not worth my time. Is Matt in Walpole the fan who used to call us this time last year and rip us for talking about payroll? Yeah, because he believed in the the big vision in High and Bloom. Look I, what I you think, did to my beautiful boy. Okay, but that he was he was shaken by the the Bloom firing. But yes, that's this is this is somebody who is really invested and really cares. This is this we've watched this devolve in real time. This is what you're doing to your fans. Matt and Walpole used to call and scream at Jones. Yes, because he wasn't talking about ERA or WHIP enough. Right. And now, now he's embarrassed to be like invested. <laughs> yeah. In the team now he's like, well, I'm a sicko, and yeah. uh, no, they're not worth investing in. Uh, so that's where we're at. I, I, no, I'm not having fun, guys. This is terrible. <laughs> Thank you for checking in, man. I feel like that was like therapy. For no, me. I was yeah. genuinely concerned no, but, about but it. But like, honestly, it was a good proof of life to put out. That, yeah. it's, and good. He's alive. He's well. He's playing Dynasty Fantasy Baseball. It's a Red Sox wellness check. I'm, I'm happy to know that. Uh, 617-779-7937. Are the Red Sox making any progress with their young players? We got the answer on Tristan Casas. We'll give you an answer on Brian Bayo with all your phone calls right after trending with Arkin.
Sports Talk in perfect harmony. Ah, why you punish me? This is Jones and Meg Go. W-E-E-I. Everybody knows what they're lacking. And um, at the end of the day, I feel like um, there's no secrets anymore here with this organization. You got guys like uh, Pedroia, you know, FaceTiming with uh, Sam Kennedy and Alex Cora. You know, hey, what the hell is going on? So, and now you got Devers saying something. So, you know, I feel like sometimes, man, when, when, when you have a front office, that is trying to uh, turn it around, you sometimes got to listen to the guy that is there that you signed for a long time. It's Jonathan Papelbon on Foul Territory, I believe it was, discussing Red Sox ownership. They're FaceTiming with Dustin Pedroia. That's interesting. Because I think this is very relevant to our conversation and our big question of the day up now. At Jones and Mego on Twitter. Are the Red Sox worthy of your time this season? 86% of Boston sports fans say, no, no, they're not. Are they worthy of your Wi-Fi <laughs> for a FaceTime? Good question. I hate FaceTime. Don't FaceTime me unless it's my nephew. I, uh, you know, if you didn't have uh, an iPhone, you wouldn't have to worry about that, Mego. You don't have any, like, video little messaging system? No, there is. Uh, Android has its own thing. So can it connect to people? I actually have never experienced this. Can it connect people with iPhones? I think that's true. Yes, I think it can. Okay, well, don't do whatever that is You can also do. You can also do a workaround, uh, you know, WhatsApp or something like that. WhatsApp? Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, are you doing a semester abroad? No, when my, when my sister was in Italy, I used that to uh, communicate with my sister. But yes, uh, I think I think that's another uh, workaround that you could use if I'm lying about Apple phone to uh, Androids. I want to hear from the 14% who are saying, yes, the Red Sox are worthy of my time. <laughs> who are the, are, are you all just playing, are you all in Matt and Walpole's fantasy <laughs> baseball <laughs> dynasty league? Are you guys yeah, all in the same league? 14%? Who are you people? 617-779-7937. And then there's this. They're not worthy of Dustin Pedroia's time. So I, I want to replay something that Rob Bradford told us about 24 hours ago. He joins us every Tuesday on Jones and Mega with Arcan here on WEEI. This is why he's worth listening to. Because he's like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, ownership said that he called them just out of the blue. Dustin Pedroia was like, hey, guys, what's up? Let's FaceTime. Let's be clear. Bragged about it. Hold on, everybody. Got a FaceTime coming in. Yeah, it's yeah. the laser show. Hang on. Uh, Petey just uh, gave me a thirst guy, trap. Uh, guy cannot leave me alone. Petey just thirst trapped me. Hang on. Let me He's answer him. He's so obsessed with the Red Sox. <laughs> uh, how did it actually go down, Bradfoe? Was it uh, was it Petey uh, reaching out? My interpretation was immediately was he dislikes hitching the wagon to Petroya. Here's a little known reality about that whole situation they called pedroia it wasn't like pedroia like called in and said hey guys hey what's up I, I want to tell you what's what they had called pedroia and i think that the the overall theme was hey dustin are you going to come here and he's like no I, I got other things to do but why i have you on the line boom here it is like here's the hammer robin glacier's like oh nice i was looking for that <laughs> <laughs> so Petroia goes, hey, I got 20 consecutive missed FaceTimes from you guys. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what, I, what ignore, you, what I ignored a bunch of them. You know, <laughs> everybody's got a friend like that. Like, I got to take one of these sooner or later. And so Pedroia finally answered one. And think of how desperate they are. They're like, oh, let's call. Like, how many ex-players said no? 
How many X players said no and ignored their FaceTime before Pedroia finally answered him? He's like, yeah, They're no. Like, I'm- call, call Ortiz. Call Ortiz. Right. Okay, he's not answering. Call Pep. Call Pep. Right. Okay, he's not answering. Lester. No, like, 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 how many players did they go through in all seriousness? Cody I have no Ross idea. sends Pe- him directly to Pedro voice said no. Like, they all said no. Manny, man, there's no chance Manny's taking their FaceTime. And so Pedroia answers, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing any of the nonsense you want. But could you spend some money? You know, you, you guys are acting broke. Could you spend some money at Cheapskates? He's just like one of the lamest name drops, you know? They're like, yeah, FaceTime with Pedroia. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you guys paid him a lot of money for a long time. I hope he picks up your calls. Okay, but like... He, he didn't call you. Yeah, he didn't call you guys. And furthermore, he's not doing whatever it is they wanted you to do. He's yelling at them about being cheap. And so they're not worthy of Pedroia's time. Eddie and I and a few others got a FaceTime from Dustin Pedroia. Totally they sweet. called Pedroia. <laughs> So like, I don't know why I love this story so much. It's just so funny to me. I mean, look, we have a vested interest in it. Bradford said it on our shows. We have a vested interest in it. And like, I'm biased, but I believe Bradfo. I don't believe Sam Kennedy and I don't believe the Red Sox. And I, the guy who kept texting over and over again, I read it in the Globe. Yeah, no, John Henry's newspaper. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in that. Sam Kennedy was on his high horse at, at Red Sox weekend with Kenny Curtis a couple weeks ago, blasting people for lying about the team. And then he comes out at spring trading and tells a bold faced lie about the conversations he's having about the offseason. You know? To be it's honest, a I, I, skimmed, I skimmed that article from Pete Abe. I hope it just read like, by the way, did you hear <laughs> Dustin Pedroia? Oh, my God. Dustin, <laughs> did you hear that Dustin called Sam? FaceTime. And Eddie? He reached out to them. Did you hear? Oh, my God. He set up his ring light. He said, let me get the angles. Let me hit the angles. Yeah, the angles are important on those, Arkan. You want to have the, you want the angles just and right. Then, can you spend some money? He was totally like, oh, my God. Can you guys spend some cash? Uh, 617-779-7937. Uh, let's get to your phone calls here. Rob is in Swampskit. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, how you guys doing? Yeah. Hey, Rob. All right. So here's the deal. Sam Kennedy. Snake oil salesman, okay? He cares about catering to two factions, the woke and the pink hats. He just wants to bring new people in to experience the Fenway Park experience and let the whole thing wash over them, and he can bend them over in the process for hot dogs, popcorn, beers, and everything else. Okay. I mean... It's not very woke. No, it's (laughs) not. Bend them over with the hot dogs. It's the opposite of woke, that is true. (laughs) It's not respecting boundaries in any way, shape, or form. Or consent. Uh, But so... I mean, look, we put the woke part to the side because we're all snickering at that. <laughs> but it's not wrong. Like, they're not catering to hardcore fans. They're just, they're not. Or they just know they have hardcore fans who are going to show up to games. They're, they're catering to out-of-market fans and fans who come in from, you know, the corners of New England and make long treks in. And that, that's who they're catering to. Look, they're, they're catering, catering to the tourism. Fen- the Fenway Experience, tourism. Yes, exactly. They want tourism. Yeah. You, oh, it's a nice day. Buy tickets. Okay, oh, but, you do this once a year with your family. Come down from Vermont, Jones family. So that right. So that's the pink. Those are the pink hats. I mean, that's that's what a pink hat is. Tourist. You know, I'm gonna go there once a year. Or my team. Like I can tell you right now, cats. Like, oh yeah, you know, the Giants are here in May, and she's like, I don't know. Should my dad come out? Like all these, right? Like so. I mean, my wife is guilty of this in some way, shape, or form. Like, oh, the Giants are in town. Let's go see them at Fenway Park because she's a Giants fan. Right. Right. So like. And we saw what the Dodgers fans did last year to the ballpark. You know, talk about bending over and giving you the hot dog. That's <laughs> that's what Dodgers fans did with that parade right down Lansdowne Street. It's true. So, like, I don't think that caller's wrong. I mean, we can snicker about the woke part of it, but everything else I agree with. 
Uh, let's go to our buddy Josh in Nashua on the Patriots. Go ahead, Josh. Hey, Jonesy, Ottolini, Arkan. Ottolini, you're crushing it today. Thank you. You're, you're going hard. No more than today, you know. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, on the Red Sox and the Patriots, friggin', you know, the Sox got a lot of problems, you know, fans and, um, you know, they, they made Devers bend over for that contract too. And with the Patriots, you know, all this, all this coaching stuff, like I, you know, I, I, you guys worry about how there's going to be too many cooks in the kitchen compared to just, just one person running things pretty much. Yes. And so look, I, I thought, I thought Bill had too much power. I, I disagree with him by the way on Devers. I think Devers was more than happy to take that contract. Uh, so I don't think I don't Devers think Devers was like hot dog. Yeah, Devers <laughs> took like some hometown discount. <laughs> I think Devers was more than happy to take the contract. So put that comment to the side. On uh, yes, I am worried about too many cooks in the kitchen. But it's not if he was asking about the seventeen new coaches or whatever that they announced today, or uh, or those were part of who the media was meeting with today. I'm not concerned about that. Uh, too many cooks in the kitchen means the crafts running things and Robin Glazer running mm-hmm. things and Elliot Wolf over here. And what's Matt Groh's role again? And how much of a say does, uh, you know, Gerard Mayo actually have? You seem to think Van Pelt and McAdoo are going to have a say as well. So, like, yes, I have a concern about that. Yeah. From a coaching perspective, I would put it more like I'm more concerned that the g- cooks have been, like, at a bunch of restaurants that have closed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Out of work. Yeah. An out of work cook that you're bringing in. It's like, Arkan, what was... Uh, I it's think like, it was, why did that restaurant close? Was it the service or was it the food? It was like the swearing <laughs> chef on curb. When you're like, oh, my God, this guy's so qualified. He's so great. Like, why is this guy? Why, yeah, why is this guy not working anywhere? And By the then, way, Arcan, most recent episode of Curb, eh, subpar. You know what? I still, how, many, how many of those have there been? Three? Yeah. I still yeah. haven't seen those. What did you think? Three was like, there was one really funny joke, and the rest of it was pretty meh. I enjoyed it. I thought two was I mean, was I always enjoy it. Two was definitely the best. Two was like, two was, really two was a classic. Curb. I was laughing at the entire uh, second episode. Three, still, there was a couple where I was like, eh, this isn't doing it for me. I still got to watch. You should. You probably didn't like the golf part, right? What do you mean? The golf part, I think, was more of a man joke. You know, when they wouldn't leave the course for the... Wow. wow. Talk about I'm being, just being anti-woke. I'm being very... Seriously, Sam Kennedy does not approve of that. I wow. Know, just... Anti-woke Arkham. You say says, you don't play golf, right? Says women don't think golf jokes are funny. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what I That's not what I was missing on that. Okay. Uh, by the way, the Red Sox? I got it. I just didn't find it funny. Uh, yeah, sure. go ahead. No, why are you talking? You're talking about the four part. Of course, that was funny. That part, no, I meant the uh, part with the dog. The part with the dog? Hey, Where they I, kept playing. I, I, oh. For spoiler. How, how about in the next here. commercial break, you guys talking yeah, about? What were you going to say about the Red Sox? What I was going to say about the Red Sox is that at the end of April into the beginning of May, they have a homestand against the Chicago Cubs. Oh, yeah. And the San Francisco Giants. Oh, moneymaker. That is the first, I mean, it's the first <laughs> month of the season. Moneymaker. 100% chance that there are going to be more parades down Lansdowne oh, yeah, for those Cubs and Giants fans than there are going to be for the Red Sox ever. I mean, and it's going to happen early in the year this time. I mean, honestly, maybe this is worth following. Like, in years where they know they have a fan base like that coming in, is that every year? Are they always going to get, like, the Cubs or the Dodgers like last year? But, like, in years like that where they know they have fan bases like that coming in, are they just like, we don't even need to spend this year? We're going to make – we're going to make – we barely spend anything on payroll. We're going to make our money back and then some by, like, one Chicago Cubs avalanche taking over Fenway Park or Dodgers fans taking over Fenway Park. We don't have to worry about it. Padres in uh, late June, they're going to be here. Yeah, Does that the, fan base travel? I don't think the Padres Probably are not. Uh, yeah. The Phillies? In, they barely make it to their own park. Phillies probably will. Be Phillies fans But, here. like, you know, more more of, 
I mean, Giants and Cubs for sure, though. I mean, yeah, no, no, no. no. I mean, Cubs for sure. I mean, maybe I'm underestimating the Giants fan base, but maybe we should take a closer look at that. 617-779-7937. Uh, Matt is in Worcester. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, yeah, hey, guys. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Trevor Bauer. I mean, the guy's sitting out there. He's already said he's willing to take a veteran league minimum deal with incentives. I mean, he's still got to be a top 15 pitcher in the league. Okay, so where where does yeah. this come from? Because I've heard I, the Twitch chat brings him up periodically. Is Papelbon the one who got that started, the Trevor yeah. Bauer stuff? He yeah. is. Okay. Yeah, Bauer said he's willing it. to play, and then Papelbon like tweeted, quote tweeted him, and was like, "If the Red Sox are interested, I'll, I think he said he'd like pitch in on the salary or something. Didn't he say something like that? It was yeah, a, it he was said he would tweet. pay yeah. his minimum salary. He paid the minimum. Papelbon would pay Trevor Bauer's salary to play for the Red Sox. In or out on Trevor Bauer? Out. Arkan, I'm out on Trevor. Bauer. I'm also out, and like, if they sign him because he's cheap. That's a terrible look for you, too. Right, right. It's like, then they're still not spending money. Right. They're still not doing what we want them to do. And now you're bringing in a guy who the rest of the sport won't go near because he's cheap. I mean, maybe he can still pitch. I have, I have no idea if he can still pitch. How long has he been out of baseball? A couple years. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I don't even know that he can still pitch. And how was he a spider tack guy? Uh, Good question. Yeah, I... I don't know. In the real time while it was happening, I am not positive, but he was one of the guys that was basically going, hey, this is going on. Has anybody got to pay attention oh, to yeah, it? Right, he had the right, right, he right, was right. anti-spider right. tag. No, he was. You're right. He and said so this, look, He was a whistleblower. I least think he was, was willing to, Least of that man's concerns. Yeah. Right. I think it was more along the lines of, like, everybody's doing it, so let's figure out a way so this doesn't get out of control. Can they just pitch in 2021. Can they just spend on a real talent? No. Can they just, no, but I'm saying. No, like, I'm saying they're not going to. No, I, I know that. But my when when people say, well, go find like Trevor Bauer. He's cheap and Papelbon will pay his salary. I don't want that. I want the Red Sox to get back to spending. That's what I want. Right. That wouldn't indicate that your philosophy is changing no. or being just cheap. Then you'd be cheap and controversial. Yeah, right. I don't I don't think you need that right now. Uh, so, no, I'll, all three of us are out there. What was that goof's name? Matt Dermody. Is he not available? Yes. Oh, yeah, Matt, right. Matt Dermody. Uh, the uh, yes, the homophobe uh, quadruple A pitcher. Yes, uh, Dave is in our uh, David I rather is in Arlington. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, respecting your your question, I'm absolutely on the side of, of finding the Red Sox uh, most compelling and interesting 2024. Most and every, compelling every single year. Okay, why are they compelling this year? Can you give me a reason? I'm an inveterate uh, traditional fan, and the, the real traditional fan is not horizontal. It doesn't, he doesn't look forward to September to some place in in the playoff uh, uh, positioning. Uh, whether or not the, the team will win more than lose, that's not the focus of a fan. The fan is concerned about the everyday game. It's a game, it's a warm weather, protracted season. Every single game is in itself uh, a reality. That's the reality of baseball. And, and as we know, the team will have a, it will have a major league roster. <laughs> yeah. uh, there may not be a lot of players making a lot of money and a lot of so-called superstars. But uh, frankly, as a better, uh, I like my chances of a team, even in last place, having three chances out of ten, four chances out of ten, maybe even five chances out of ten Whoa. to win the game on that Tuesday at 7 p.m. in July. 
That's the focus of baseball, uh, of a real fan. <laughs> okay. I'm happy we heard that. That's the 14%. That was like when Linus goes, lights, please. And he starts talking about the meaning of Christmas. <laughs> No, no, no! I thought he was that about was the to, best call we've ever. Had I thought he was about to save the whole thing at the end and be like, "Well, I just want to bet on them." Yeah. At the end of the I've day, I've actually placed a bet that they're going to come in last place, so I'm very happy with he, all of this. You placed a bet. He said, "Fans don't care about wins and losses, man. It's about the game." <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't write it's that. about the over. It's a major league. <laughs> did he say I like their chances? About three, to handle three out of ten times. Yeah. If they if they're winning thirty percent of their games, that's so bad. That's how they started that their twenty nineteen West Coast road trip. They guy, went three and eleven. That guy's still gonna watch. He's like, I, I mean, three out of ten. Yeah, that's pretty good. I took under fifty five wins this year. <laughs> really, really got my fingers crossed. That's what it's all about. Money. All right, well, this is, but this is honestly why I wanted to hear from that fourteen percent. I really wanted to hear what, what that sounded like. Powerhouse of a call that was. Uh, <laughs> since that call has happened, it's actually dipped down to thirteen point nine percent. Uh, we're up to 86.1% of the fans saying People no. are DMing me saying they want to change their vote. <laughs> How did they do that? <laughs> that the Red Sox are not worthy of their time. Uh, can we you, give that guy a direct line like the Kremlin, you know, yeah, like a no, red phone all, so he can honestly, just check in during the season? No, no, I want to talk to exactly. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Jacob Becker. Intern Jacob, give that guy a direct line because yeah. I want to talk to him after they lose like 10 you in know a row. What? Let's give him a co-host position <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> no, 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 I just, yeah, just whenever we're feeling down. You know, whenever we're not really enjoying what's going on with the Red Sox, just listen to that guy. Fans don't care about wins and losses. They don't care about playoffs. That guy, that guy just loves the game. He's showing up to Little League fields. He's showing up to high school baseball games. B- BC baseball. That guy loves his bookie. Parsons Field in Northeastern. Uh, he also likes to wager on things. That's true, which I could, you know, we could probably talk about. It sounded like Dan Roach with a gambling problem. <laughs> <laughs> Did it not? Did it not? No, a little bit. But that was honestly, it was beautiful. It's it's restored my faith in the Red Sox. Someone just asked, did Ken Burns just call? <laughs> what was his name? It wasn't Ken, was it? I don't know, but somewhere Bill James is just listening to a single tear is rolling down his cheek. I mean, it's 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 won me back over to be honest. I That's feel like not the focus of a fan. The fan is concerned about the everyday game. We've aired. I mean, Hello, we've, one we've, two one two. We've let people down. I mean, we've let people down. We're not focused enough on the beauty of the game. Right. It is a beautiful game. Uh, each game maybe is... sit here and go, who have I become? Yeah, right, exactly. You know, <laughs> if, 11, if an 11-year-old me talked to me today, right. what would they say? It's like, look at this ogre and you've grown into. They would say every game is a reality of itself, and if you're winning three out of ten, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Three out of ten ain't bad. Okay. That guy was like a walking Carl Stevens poem. I, I, that's gonna be. I can't wait for that. We get that guy doing poetry every I'm just, year. I'm just so jealous. People go through life like that. Yeah. Like, isn't that something? There's something to be said about that. Yeah. Where you're that low stress. It's yeah. a yeah. game. Yeah. It, it's a warm weather, protracted season. Yes, it is. You're right. Just that detached from reality. It's uh, it's weather, like, it's like, like it's like sailing your boat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a warm every weather single activity. game is in itself. <laughs> yes. Uh, a reality. It is. That's true. <laughs> That's the reality of baseball. Was this like a cut speech from Field of Dreams? Can we put this in the Netflix documentary? The Red Sox need this Think for the Netflix. baseball, Ray. <laughs> yeah. They need this it's for the Netflix it's, documentary. It's played in warm weather and it's protracted. For 86 years, we had gazed in our beers, shrugged in the shadows, fought back to tears. From Bucky to Boone to Buckner, they'd lose. 
every single game <laughs> is in itself uh, a reality. Yes. That's the reality of baseball. That's beautiful. The past became past in a glorious way when David took charge on Yawkey Way and all. Uh, and, and as we know, the team will have a, it will, it will have a major league roster. Years went by, and the ring seemed to fit. The they will have. I mean, they're gonna guys. We're, we've been wrong the whole time. They're gonna have a major league roster. Yes. Which I, you would quibble, one would quibble with. They're if all gonna wear hats. Empty, they're yeah. all gonna wear cleats. Yep. Those little stirrups. I mean, they're all gonna do it. They're both getting paid. Both sides are getting paid. And that's what it's all about. Uh, 617-779-7937. We have triple play, fortunately, next. It's going to be a triple play. It's time for the triple play. Yes! Triple play. The top three burning questions of the day. And there's three. With Jones and Mego. Triples is best. Triples is best. Triples makes it safe. And the 99 restaurant now has early week supper specials. Bring the family and enjoy a delicious roast turkey dinner every Sunday, hearty meatloaf every Monday, and crispy spinach and artichoke chicken every Tuesday. You gotta love the nines. It is Wednesday. That makes it a wild card Wednesday, Jones and Mego. So let's get to our first wild card question. Number one. Mego, we will start with you. In the last five years, since 2019, between the Red Sox, Celtics, Bruins, and Patriots, who was the best draft pick? So this is pretty brutal. Like, I think it might be Christian Gonzalez. And we only saw him for four games. But I was going through a bunch of these teams' drafts, and nobody else really jumps out at me. Am I missing someone incredibly obvious? Was, for Celtics, the only— Was Swayman in there? Or is Swayman too— Swayman's Swayman earlier. Was before that. He was before that? Okay. Yeah, because I immediately thought, oh, Swayman. No. And the, the only other person that I could look at that had, like, a real impact, unfortunately— is Grant Williams because he was good in that Bucks series uh, in the 2022 finals, like leading up to that, I should say. Like he was instrumental there for a little bit, but then you had to trade him and he got traded again because everybody finds him annoying. So. Where, was, where was Meyer? Uh, Marcelo Meyer was three years ago. That's what I was going to say. So yeah. He would be in there. Rolling, Swayman was so 27. Like, so like you much, haven't even seen him. No, no, but I'm saying, but like pretty much all the Red Sox guys uh, yeah. are in that uh, chunk of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it probably is Gonzalez, but you say we haven't seen him. We saw him for four games. Yeah. I mean, he's good. That's how bad it's been. No, I agree. Or just that some of these teams, Celtics are not really in draft mode right Barmore? now. Does Barmore count? Barmore, Barmore, Barmore counts. counts, I mean, yeah. Barmore, according to Jeremiah, is the only he good player 21. the team even has. So, no, I mean, I guess I'd go with Gonzalez because I feel like there's more upside there. Stevenson but like, too. Yeah, Stevenson, too. I just, I, I don't, I mean, there's not a lot of good draft picks in this city. And Five years, you can really struggle to find, like, two good ones. Do you, you cut, know? I mean, I, I think we all should cut the Celtics some slack on that because they basically trade their pick every trade, year. No, no, yeah. I, I agree. But, like, every other team, I don't really care about it with the Bruins. It's been a problem with Sweeney, but I don't really care. He sucks at drafting. Keep trading your picks. But it's really killing the Patriots, and if the Red Sox don't nail some of these picks, they're screwed. But I think I think Mego's right. I think the answer is Gonzalez. Okay, let's get to our second wild card question. Number two. Jones, between Fenway, Gillette, and the Garden, what is the best place to watch a game? Okay, so this is where I think the Red Sox do have you. It's Fenway. And some of that is just, like, being outside, it's nice, it's baseball. Like, this is where the Red Sox do have you to a degree. The Garden is a loud venue, but I don't think it's a great venue. Gillette stinks. So, like, Fenway is the best venue in the city. And so I do think that's that's one thing they have going for you for them is they know people are going to go. For all the tough talk about, oh, I'm, not, I'm not showing up, I'm not going to go to these games. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think a lot of people are going to follow through on that. I don't think many people will. Some of us will. I don't think a lot of people will. 
And so when it comes to the venue itself, it's Fenway, and one of the things they have going for them is the nice weather, the history of the ballpark. The other venues just don't have that. It's Fenway, and that's why they can sell the Fenway experience instead of the baseball team right now, is that it can be a tourist trap for people or just a destination. But I would also say, like, I guess to make it more interesting, I would throw the garden in second because I really like the stuff around the garden. We got our guy, like, Tyler, over at Scores. Like bars and restaurants. Yeah, and got right it. next door we got Sullivan's Tap, which, of course, is just, like, core to our show, if you know <laughs> us. And then you got, yeah, even, like, Tavern in the Square. They got great nachos over there. So, Carps look, there. I, I think, I mean, even independent of that, I think the garden's just a bet. Gillette stinks. I mean, yeah, there's, Gillette's what, there's, just, it's a pain in the ass. It's so far away. It's impossible to get back from unless I, you have a driver. It's, just, it's not a good venue. And so, like, the garden, again, I don't think it's the greatest, but at least it's loud. And if you, the area, there's way more going on uh, around that area as well. So I, I would order them the same way you did. Okay, let's get to our third wild card question. Number three. All right, I want you guys to answer for each other here. So, Mego, you answer for Jones, vice Ooh, versa. this is tough. Which reality show would the other one be best suited for? What reality show, Mego, would Jones do the best on? Can I be honest? Yes. I don't think Jones would be good on reality television. Huh. Because I think he would be too polite. Like he so? wouldn't be, he wouldn't be mischievous enough. He wouldn't be devious enough. So I kind of haven't. Well, I haven't seen that show, Villains, but Ooh, I thought yeah, maybe villains. it would be like Villains. But I don't think that What's you could. Villains for those who don't know. Okay, how I would describe Villains is it's it would be like a real life Clue is how I would describe Villains. Which and it's is a great. collection of people who have been on. So someone other... got murdered, and you're trying to. No, figure people out. people get murdered every week. Correct, and uh. you have to and you have to figure out who the murderer is. Or it would be like, uh, what's the? Isn't that like a? That's like a game that people do at parties. I've never done this. Oh yeah, like a, like a murder mystery yes, party. It's like, it would be like that. I've done okay. one of those. Yeah. So cool. I guess I go with that, but like, like, so I think you would be good at a strategy show. I'll yeah, put it yeah, that yeah. way where you're trying to like stab people in the back because that's who you are. You're like snaky. Yeah. And so I think though, if it was something like the old real world or something like that, or like a Vanderpump rules where it's just following you around, I don't think you'd be controversial enough in your everyday life, to be honest. I think you have like a pretty normal personal life. I'm putting Mego on the challenge. Division one athlete. Yes. I'm putting Mego on the challenge. Like, I, like I, I feel like you could hold your own with some, how good are some of these uh, other, you know, individuals on the challenge? Like I most think of them, I would really struggle with the puzzles under pressure. Most of them are ex D1 athletes. I mean, that's mo- if they're even if they even compete at that high. Of oh, a level. and they all have a sob story about like why they didn't go pro. Yeah, yeah right. They're like, well, I hurt my knee once and, you know, that yeah. kept me out of football uh, forever. Yeah. Fessy was going to be the next Travis Kelsey. Right. for sure. Yeah. Right. So like I'll, I'll put Mega on the challenge. Thank you. And I'll tell you what, Arcan is poo-pooing the uh, traders, but I'll tell you what, trader season two, tremendous. What would we put Arcan on? Oh, I didn't even think about Milf it. I put Arcan on like <laughs> British British Bake Off Island, some yeah. island. I just want to be on an island. F Boy Island. That would, that would be a good one. I've never seen British that. Is Bake that a good off. One? I can't cook. I don't know. F Boy Island is not great, but I watched the whole I first season. I need you guys to watch Love Is Blind. I watched the first season of that too. I've okay, not, uh, first season was not good. We're on season six now. I'm only wow. an episode and a quarter in, and it's already really good. So the first one came out, I believe, during COVID, which is why I watched it. I haven't, I haven't watched. I'm not as big on the dating ones as some of the other ones. I'll watch anything. Like I'll watch any reality. This one's show, already matter. really messy, so I think you'll like that. Okay, I do like that. I do. Like there's already a lot of messiness. There's some devious behavior. I think you'll be into it. All right. So what are we going with for Arkin? Flora Bama Shore. <laughs> Oh, that was a good one. Floribama Shore. I, think I don't I, think I, I ever watched that. I on the Floribama Shore. Oh, I watch, I watch Floribama Shore. I obviously, Jersey Shore I watch. Tremendous. The, uh, maybe, maybe the greatest reality show of all time. In fact, I would say I think it is the greatest reality show of all time. Uh, were there other shores? Ooh, I, feel like I would put Arcan on Fear Factor. 
and he has to eat like weird um, yeah. cow parts. Now we're talking. How would you do with the eating challenges on the challenge? Not well. I'm a very picky eater. So you're bad at puzzles I, and eating? I'd be able Are you a good swimmer? Because no, you're not going to win if you're not good at if, you, if you're not good at puzzles and eating and swimming, you're not going to win. I anything. could do that the eating challenges. I just barf a lot. That's fine. Yeah. That's, so that's all it's it was. TV. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh Dave is in Dorchester. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, what's going on? Um <laughs> I hate to admit this, but I kinda agree with that guy David. I know it was a sad little story, but Baseball's my favorite. I love the Red Sox. And it, it even when they lose, I'm not, like, devastated. Okay, but so, but so, Dave, can I ask a question? Uh, and I agree. I, I, I very much enjoyed that last call. Uh, I agree with him. Three out of ten, as the Twitch chat pointed out, would project to a 48 and 114 record. That sounds fun. But when it comes to no. the – what do you? so you're a Red Sox fan and you like baseball. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. What are you looking forward to specifically with this team? This team this year, what are you looking forward to? <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. But, like, I kind of get twisted when you say how, like, Alex Cora doesn't want to be here. I don't agree with that. Alex Cora is not hurting for a job. Alex Cora doesn't want to manage this team. Right. I'm telling you, Boston's the greatest sports city in the world. And John Henry and Robert Kraft are tipping that upside down. I know it's going to be hard to tip that upside down. But the Red Sox are a joke. The Patriots are disgusting. Come on, man. Alex Cora wants to manage a baseball team that's good. And if we lose... All right, we'll try harder tomorrow. But he's not getting with this John Henry, man. And I was fearful that Jeremy Jacobs would buy the Red Sox. And this is worse, man. This is – it sucks, man. And I love the Red Sox. You're just not passionate enough to understand the sadness of David. Oh, I thought I thought Mego had a follow up question. I, maybe I'm not passionate enough. Maybe I I'm have something I, for our can. I'm too separated from it. Okay, well, just real quick on what the caller said. Like, I I understand that that getting excited about the team, but what what I say about Cora, we actually agree. He's like, oh, that that's why Cora doesn't want to be here. He wants to, you know, manage a successful team, and maybe he just wants to get away from this city. He may want to get away from that. Look at how much of a toll last year took on him. And so he may want to get away from the city, but I agree. He largely wants to be back on a team that's spending because that's the only way he's going to win. The only time he won anything in his life outside of the cheating seasons in Houston is when they were the number one payroll in baseball. So I agree. That's what he wants to do. So the text line and Twitch chat both want Arcan on Naked and Afraid. <laughs> Hot. They want you scared, though. Eh. Uh, I don't love dating in... Uh, Sorry, I don't love Naked and Afraid. I did like Dating Naked was a good show. Do you ever watch that one? No. Dating Naked was on. Is that on. where they just show you like pieces of the person and you have to choose? Nope. I've n- I know the show you're talking about. I don't know the name of that one and I've never seen it, but I do know that what you're talking about. That show is like about. in England. Yeah, my wife watched that show in England. No, Dating Naked was everywhere. you show up on a date and you're both just naked. You oh. just both drop trout and you're on your date. Okay. Cut right to the chase. Okay. I think it was on VH1. It's a good show. So what do you like go out to dinner? <laughs> the VH1 no, you're, you're shows like on a, were the absolute, like on an island. absolute oh. trashiest. Those were the absolute trashiest. What was the one? Rock of Love with the bus? Uh, yeah, Rock of Love, Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. Uh, uh, Flavor of Love. Flavor of Love was excellent. Yeah. I watched, I, I did watch uh, Flavor of Flav. Uh, Flavor of Love, rather, with Flavor of Flav <laughs> back in the day. Um, what, did Fla- what was Flavor of Flav on before that? Uh, surreal life. Yes, that is. It was wow, did you hear that? What pull was from surreal life? Surreal life was great. It was, was all celebrities. Yeah. It was like D-list washed up people yeah. Yeah. doing the real world. Correct. Basically, it was yeah. it okay. was D list celebrities real world. Yeah, exactly. I like vaguely remember. Ice and Vern, Troyer Vern Troyer and just blacking out. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a great show. Being everywhere. Uh, six months. Rest, rest in power. Vern <laughs> seven seven nine seven ninety three seven. That's triple play each and every day at this time. Uh, you can still weigh in on our big question of the day or the Red uh, Red Sox rather worth uh, investing your time. 
on top of that, we'll get back to Gerard Mayo and Alex Van Pelt, some comments they had earlier today, what it tells us about the Patriots and their upcoming season. That's next. Hey, as your offensive coordinator, what are you expecting out of your offense on the field? Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, first and foremost, a tough team. Uh, a tough team, and I think after that it really gets into uh, smart players. But you don't have to be a genius, but you have to be smart enough and really uh, explosive players and guys that really play for one another. Um, we want to check our egos. Oh, hold on. We, we, you know, this is, you know, even from a coaching staff, you know, I say it's an ego-free zone. And once we get the coaches on that same page, you hope that the players will, will follow suit and go out there and play for one another. Hang on, hang on. I'm trying to rip Bill over here. Give me a second. I want to I make sure I jab that dagger nice and deep. Quite, you. Strahd Mayo earlier today. You heard it live on Jones and Mego with Arcan here on WEEI. Final hour of the program. As we take you up until 6 o'clock with all your phone calls, 617 779-7937, ego-free. Not just our players, but on the coaching staff. Shot at Bill, right? Yes. Absolutely. I think a lot of things that he said in this earlier presser were maybe not intended as direct shots to Bill, but the message was, I'm doing so stuff differently here because what we were doing before wasn't working. Okay. Do you agree with that, Arkan? Do you think it was, like, inadvertent? Or do you think these are, because they align very well with what Kraft said a month or so ago, mm-hmm. longer than that, when he stabbed Bill in the back. And apparently what he's saying on some of these Dynasty episodes, I've only seen the first two, but get ready for him to really trample on Bill's corpse coming up in some of these episodes. So, like, I don't know, should we give Gerard Mayo the benefit of the doubt that these are accidental slip-ups, or are these, like, organizational marching orders to just stab Bill Belichick in the back. Well, I think I think it's part of, partially that, and I think it's partially also Mayo trying to establish himself as an individual and sort of this is who I am and this is what I'm about. and Emphasize be, the differences. Right, and emphasize and, those differences, yeah. and I don't think that's the, the terrible crime or anything, and I don't even necessarily think that's throwing Bill under the bus. That's just sort of trying to plant your own flag. Like, I get that. He's still very early on in the process. This is one of the few times we've heard him, you know, speak like this and uh, since he's become the head coach anyway and I just think it's it's a little bit of that but you can't you can't do that without you can't uh, emphasize the differences without sort of sounding that way so you think it's kind of inadvertent kind of yeah I don't think it's necessarily like no you Bill sucks it's just here's me this is what I yeah you don't even think he's ripping him you just think he's trying to build himself up and by by uh, a result of that you wind up ripping Bill in some of that in some of that yes the ego stuff I mean you can read that one way or the other. I read that as more of a shot at Bill in the uh, small room, I think, too. You know, I mean, those are for sure so direct let's, shots. Let's get to the coaching staff answer coming up, but quickly one text, 37937. Uh, Mega would crush guts. She'd get the crag. I've talked about this before, right? I used to practice in my front yard the spill your guts portion that they did on that show where they'd like, <laughs> like interview the kid in their in front of their house and they'd be like, my name's Megan Adelini. I'm from Laytonsville, Maryland. I like playing basketball and riding horses. So what was your nickname? Just I, Mego? Was it still Mego at that point in time? Um, I don't think you needed a nickname. <laughs> oh, yes, you did. On Definitely. Guts? Yeah, I don't know. If but you I like... always wanted to do the global Guts where at the end you get to run with your flag because yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like really into the Olympics. Yeah. So I had just seen Mighty Ducks too and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. take that gunner stall. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I would kill it on guts now. <laughs> Did you also like grow up thinking yeah. Iceland was like pretty evil? Yeah, because of that movie. Yeah, exactly. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. How did they choose that? 
I don't <laughs> like know. We're gonna make the Icelandic people. Yeah, you know who's real you know villainous. Who's, you know who's just the worst? Those Scandinavians. <laughs> just they're so awful. They're not having you a random nickname. I don't quite remember how that worked, but everybody had I think a nickname. You would actually be really good at Legends of the Hidden Ooh, Temple. Legends. Which every time I watched it, because I had such bad ADHD, the part where they'd go through and then you go to this room and then you go to the chamber of this yeah. and then you pull I was like, nobody can remember all these things. <laughs> It's impossible. He's going to screw it up. Do you think you got to pick if you wanted to be like the uh, the blue iguanas? Or I don't remember. The green iguanas probably. The blue barracudas. Do you think you got to pick or do you think you just... Was that like a draft? I think you just got the silver you got snakes. Assi- you just got assigned? Yeah, silver yeah. snakes, orange monkeys. Just, yeah, you got stuck with it. Red. That like stone face assigned it to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Al- Almac? Is that his name? Is that it? Yeah. Almac? Melmac? Not Melmac. It wasn't Melmac. Almac? Omac. Karnak. Oh, no, that was the guy. I think it was Omac was... or something. I don't know. Red Fortunes. I, I'm happy you said Olmec. that, though. Almac. Almac. Okay. Oh, it's not I think I'd be good at Legends, too. Less so at Guts. Unless It'd be it was way that... easier to pick out these Nickel... What, what, what are we Nickelodeon shows? What would we put um, Arcand on? The video game one. What was that one called again? Oh, Nick yeah. Arcade. Nick Arcade. Nick Arcade. That's kind of like a I'd reality I'd do show. well at Double Dare, too. Now you're going on Double Dare. <laughs> Picking that big nose, I'd nail that. That's true. What are we talking about? Okay, we've been sidetracked. Uh, let, let's get back to uh, Gerard Mayo. Uh, here's another shot at Bill Belichick. Uh, his large coaching staff. Uh, we're now we're measuring coaching staffs. Is now what we're doing. Coupled with the ones that are coming back, it seems like a fairly large staff. What makes you think hey. this number is the best? Yeah, you know, one thing we we wanted to make sure of is that we weren't duplicating roles, and so for for us, we were thinking about what value what value does this role uh, bring to the team. Now, for historically, we've always had small staffs, and I mean, it's hard to get things done that way in today's NFL. We weren't really thinking about you know the size. We weren't thinking. We were just thinking about how can we make this staff as good as it can be. Now, look honestly, uh, after talking to a lot of coaches. Your first year coaching, like you hope you put together the best staff, but realistically, I mean, it's a process. Okay, so what does that mean? I, I forgot he said that in real time. I wrote that in my notes. I was looking at them. What does that mean? It's like, ah, you know, hey, we ideally we're hiring the best coaching staff, but really it's a process. Okay, so one, it tells me they struck out on their first choices. This is what I think. Mm-hmm. So they didn't get exactly who they wanted. And two, he's like, it's a process. It's going to take a couple seasons. I'm going to be here leading the charge for a couple seasons. So, right, I forgot. Right, so we discussed this earlier. It's the first time I've heard it since we aired the press conference live, but we discussed this earlier, some of our takeaways, and that's exactly what you said. You think he, he feels like he has some job security based on I that. do think so. Interesting. I, I just heard or it as... Or at least that's been communicated to him right now. Yeah, I just heard it as, well, Ben McAdoo is free and Alex Van Pelt is here and, like, if they suck, we'll fire him and we'll bring in somebody else. That's what I heard it as. He wouldn't commit, by the way, to Troy Brown remaining on staff. He called that situation fluid. He said, yeah, he's on the staff now, but that situation remains fluid. Didn't answer questions on Robin Glazer. Uh, was very expansive on Dante Hightower. So those are some of the takeaways from Gerard Mayo, who, again, I, I'm with you, Arkan. That feels like a shot at Bill. Like, oh, in today's NFL... You can't have a small coaching staff. You need a lot of people on staff. Yeah, and he was part of that small coaching staff. So for him to say it that way is, you know, I was on the inside of this, and I don't think it, by the end of it it was really working out anymore. And also, you know, not for nothing, but I was there competing with the coach's kid for the 
coordinator title that neither of us even ever got. Like, you know, like that whole thing. Like, I can see that being something that maybe he's not resentful of, but, you know, sort of creeps into what he said. He's like public statements about, you know, how I'm different from Bill Belichick. Let me hear. Uh, Even though Al- he did hire his brother. No, he did. He's uh, <laughs> right. It's another more nepotism on staff. Let me hear Alex Van Pelt. I read this uh, tweet earlier. I haven't even heard this answer yet on uh, well the possibility of Mac Jones uh, remaining on staff. Uh, you mentioned on the team. that you had a chance to meet Mac Jones. Can you envision him being this team's starter next season? Right. You know, really, right now, everything is on the table. Um, as we go through this process, we're really this last couple weeks, ten days, have just been diving into who we are. Uh, trying to evaluate our guys. Um, you know, a lot of people in this situation on staffs that have been here, they're doing free agency. Well, we're doing our guys as they are free agents. So we're trying to understand who we have here as well as looking at other players out there. But right now, everything is on the table and we're just still working through that process. When that time comes, I'm sure we'll, it'll be a, you know, a collaborative effort and we'll make the right decisions. Okay, that doesn't bother me that much hearing it. That doesn't bother you? No. Do you, do you think, think that they? Do you think that they have a plan? Do you think there's a vision oh, for this? Oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, my answer to that is no. But I don't think that's not quite the smoking gun on Mac Jones. I was fearful that it was. He's like he didn't. He just doesn't want to say he's gone, and we're trading him for a day three pick. And it's not my place to say that. Is how I read that. That's right. Not, he's saying everything's on the table. Right. Here's my concern, and it may just be where they are in the process that they're not going to tell everyone, and they're not going to telegraph everything, and they're going to see what quarterback they get. I just haven't gotten any information. And this was what you criticized last time we heard from Van Pelt. No information on what the offense is going to look like. I haven't heard the full thing, but the the tweets I saw and a couple of the clips I've heard, I I agree. The most we've gotten is kind of like Cleveland, maybe kind of like the Stefanski show. And that's it. That's all we've really gotten. There will be a quarterback there. He didn't even fully commit to calling If we're looking at this like Dave from Arlington... There will be professional football players on the field. That's true. And one of them will throw the ball. Could you look at it a little bit more positive? It's a professional football team out there, okay? There's only 32 of them. Uh, 617-779-7937. They will have a professional football team roster this year. Quote, unquote. Uh, It's a warm weather, protracted season. Every single game is in itself uh, a reality. That's the reality of baseball. Let's go to our buddy John in the car. Go ahead, John. Oh my God! The red the red Soxification of the New England Patriots is unbelievable. Like Gerard Mayo said a lot of words today, and I don't know what he said. Like he literally said nothing. But but they have a cocktail party in like 15 minutes where they're gonna rub shoulders and like ham it up with uh, with the beat writers. So everybody's gonna be happy because they're gonna be nice to each other. Like what is going on in, at one Patriots place? Well, well, wait a second. Hold on. We at least we have an offensive coordinator who is. You're right, Mego is maybe gonna call, is gonna use the offense from Cleveland that Stefanski put together, which he didn't call any plays for. Like nobody wants to answer any questions. Wait, you know what? Like Robin Glazer maybe was there. You know, I, maybe she was in there telling them who to get. Like, I, is anybody gonna answer anything? No, it's, no. The answer is no. And so he's right. What I think this was today was just. Uh, how did you put it? Uh, trying to curry favor, trying get, to get flat, s- flattering, flattering coverage. coverage. Yeah, that's, that's all this was. This was to get flattering coverage. Like, hey, guys, come out, cocktail party, soiree. We're gonna charm you. That's what this was. And and Mayo's charming. I mean, Bill, I would never call charming. At least with the media. Like maybe, you know, the Dante Scarnecchia. Uh, Patriots Hall of Fame and stuff like that. First Maybe couple be years, he was much more affable, well, though, as we saw in the in the thing. He totally didn't really fair. start like that until he started winning. Totally so, fair. You know, you start winning, then you can act that way. Late career, Bill. 
was not charming. And so it's jarring to hear Mayo just be up there and like joke joking around. But like, okay, I get it. He's he is a nicer person and again, he he's more charming and easier to deal with than Bill. Okay, but now what? Like now what's the substance of what we're talking about? And I still feel like there wasn't a lot of that today. I would agree with John on that. 617-779-7937. Our cam with all the latest here in trending. What's coming up in Meg's planning, Mego? What's coming up is I know this is an issue that the morning show tackles a lot, but one of the may, one of the biggest employers in Boston is asking people to cut back the remote work. We're going to dig into the pros and cons of that. Okay. Well, I think I'm Hot on the, button without hearing issue it, for Arkan. I think I'm on their side, but okay. That's right after trending with Arkan. Follow the show on Twitter at Jones and Mego. If you can DM me on Twitter, don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. Uh, this is Jones and Mego on WEEI. Are you here to run the same offense that Kevin Stefanski ran in Cleveland? Uh, I would say same, similar. I'd say there's a lot of similarities. Um, again, it's those pieces of that puzzle. What what's available, and how can we make those guys successful? But there'll there'll be similarities. Um, you know, I've taken pieces of a lot of different offenses uh, over my time, and um, you know, kind of melded those together in what's best for us at that time. Let me tell you, I hate that answer. Now that I've heard the full thing, I only saw tweets before. But it's like, okay, we're going to be similar to the Cleveland Browns offense with Kevin Stefanski. Not exactly the same. But I'm taking all the pieces from the other offenses I've been involved with. Which I guess would probably start with the Frankfurt Galaxy in 2005. Followed by the Buffalo Bills where he had a dismal season as offensive coordinator in 2009. He was the Bucks quarterback's coach. He was with the Packers where he never called any plays. He was with the Bengals before they got Joe Burrow, the Cleveland Browns, and now here. So, like, do you like any of those offenses? Maybe you want to give him Aaron Rodgers, but by the time he got to Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers had already won a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, I feel like Aaron Rodgers was already established. Mike McCarthy was already there. Like, maybe he picked up a few things, but, like, I don't want to give him too much credit for, like, how the Packers' offense looks. And I feel like we're going back to when he was hired in the first place. But, like, I have all these great ideas and all these different offenses. I don't don't really like any of the offenses you were in other than when you just happened to work with one of the all-time greats with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And something tells me that wasn't about the offense. That was about the quarterback. Yes, but he does have a heavy hand in the quarterback, it seems like. Like, that's what his specialty is, is at times seeming to be something like a glorified quarterback's coach if you go through his entire resume. Right, but who were those quarterbacks? Like, they they typically weren't good. It was like Andy Dalton and Josh Freeman and four quarterbacks last year in Cleveland. Who was the Bills quarterback in 2009? I'm actually looking that up now. I don't know, but at least he'll look back. What, was that Fitzpatrick? Trent Edwards, maybe? No, I think it was oh. before Fitzpatrick. Edwards is a good guess. Hang on. 2009 Buffalo Bills looks like it. Oh, it was Fitzpatrick. Ah. That's what I thought. Touche, Mego. Thank you. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick started eight games that year. Trent Edwards started seven, so you're both right. But hey. Fitzpatrick was the uh, primary starter that year. At least uh, started High five, Arkan. Good job, both of you. Everybody gets a trophy. Yay. Uh, I did not guess Brian Brom, but he also started a game. There'll be similarities. Come so, on. Like, that offense you stinks. You guys pick on everybody. That offense stinks. Nuclear. Yeah, it's course. pronounced nuclear. So, of course, Mego's, of course, going to defend the mispronunciations there. I don't know there. what you're talking about. Yeah. 
Um, but like, I, if if these are just a, an amalgamation or whatever word he used of all those offenses, I don't I don't like it. I mean, it doesn't thrill me. I, I, it, I it sounds just... like a non-answer. It sounds like he's avoiding the answer. Like, what's the offense going to be? Oh, it's going to be a combination of a bunch of different offenses, similar, but not exactly like what they did in Cleveland. And it's like, it just sounds like you're not answering it because you don't know. Like you said this earlier, Mego, you're like, does it sound like they have a plan? No, it doesn't sound like they have a plan with who their quarterback is or what they're going to run on offense. I would like, maybe it's just too close to full throttle. And maybe Gerard Mayo was told like, hey, that burned some cash comment let's rein it back in let's be a little blander we're gonna be very available to the media but let's just be kind of boring because then you know they'll be on our side and they also won't have crazy things to go off of like burn a lot of cash so maybe maybe there is a vision there I just don't hear anything that communicates it to me even when he's talking about the quarterback and he's like yeah I want somebody who's a leader and they're tough and they're smart and then also they're accurate. Yeah, he finally and gets around to their physical maker. I'm like, yeah. can we talk? How about a football player? Like, can we talk about some attributes of a freaking quarterback? Like, I want a big arm. I want somebody who can make their own plays. I want somebody who's going to be able to stand back there and take a hit behind this crappy offensive line we're probably going to roll out. Like, give me something. Yeah, I don't need them to also like say who they're picking or like anything like that. You don't have to. You don't have to show all your cards right. here. But there's going to be. It's going to be tough to know if they're being coy about it or if they're trying to. You know, if there's really like a bunch of different people with right. different ideas who can't come to an agreement. Because I bet you're going to get a lot of fans who say, oh, well, they don't have a quarterback yet. So, of course, they're, they're going to they're gonna tailor the offense to their players. And don't, isn't that what a good coach does? Well, I guess. But do, do you believe in anything? Do you have conviction in anything? And when he answered that to Patriots.com or their social media or whatever it was, he said, yeah, we're going to run the ball. And running wins championships. And then he's like, oh, yeah, and a quarterback will be a part of it too. And, like, I hate that. And at least he didn't say anything like that that I heard other than reference the Cleveland offense here today. Uh, let's get back to your phone calls before we get to Meg explaining, which we do each and every day at 530. It's about five minutes away. Anthony is in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Anthony. Hey, how's it going? We're doing well. So I, I don't want to say I'm like, you know, hype about the season, but there's a few things that I do find exciting about the Red Sox season. And what I would say is, you know, the young young players that we have, like Vaughn Grissom, Cassis, some more Bayo. You know what I mean? I, I, we have a healthy story, which is nice. I think there's some positives to look at in the season. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's a World Series run by any means, but I think there's I think there's definitely things to get excited about for the season. Okay. Uh, he reminds me by just referencing Vaughn Grissom. You're smirking, Mego. That doesn't sound like much to get excited about. Not to me. Yeah, I would agree. Not when you look around at your division. No. So, look, they're not going to be good. There's no real re- – 86% of people agree they're not worth investing their time in. Okay? That's, a, that's an official scientific study, John Henry. Uh, conducted by the Jones and Mego program. You can vote at Jones and Mego. It just reminds me of something Tomasi wrote today. He emptied out his Red Sox notebook. Uh, tell me if this is uh, somewhat intriguing. I'm not saying it's a reason to like invest your whole summer. Grissom is a 300 hitter waiting to happen. And if he can field his position, and if, the Red Sox will be able to say they got something for Chris Sale. Yay. <laughs> is that not enough? Not really, no. Let's go Red Sox. It okay. is like that. I was uh, three hundred hitter waiting to happen. Kind of sounded nice. I kind of, I kind of like the sound of that. You, you guys can't don't like be that. A, a worse second baseman than the nine guys you trotted out last. <laughs> you guys season. don't like that. I mean, look, I'm, if he can, what was the exact verbiage he used? If, if he, he can, can feel this position, his position. Okay. the Red Sox will be able so, to say they got something for Chris Sale. That's where we're. That's where the bar's at. Yeah. If he can be out yes. there, perhaps they can claim some kind of return. Yeah. I'm not, it's about, I mean, that's that's selling me about as much as anything else Yay! I've heard. Yay! Yay! Love 
Let's all go to game on. Let's go Red Sox. Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox. I'm, I'm with Let's Werner. Go Red Sox. I'm with Werner on this. I'm, I'm kind of excited about Von Grissom now. Uh, Steve is in Northboro. Go ahead, Steve. Go Red Sox. Hey. <laughs> it's uh, Steve from Causeway. Um, oh. Hey, Steve. Hey, real What's qu- up, Steve? Hey guys. I, can I just say why hey, can, can we can you start introducing yourself on the phone as Steve from Causeway? Because every time you call in, I go Steve in Northboro, and you go Steve from Causeway, and I go, oh right. So let's let's just yeah, just uh, just do that next time. But okay, go ahead, Steve. All right, moving forward, I'll, I'll get it right. Uh, real quick, do you remember Mo from Global Guts with like the, the oh, referee? Do I remember Mo? Do I remember I wanted Mo. to be Mo. Oh, I yeah. wanted to be with Mo. I yeah, <laughs> boys wanted to be with Mo. Girls wanted to be her. Mo. And that little that little uh, referee's outfit. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Steve. And the accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree with all that. Um, well, why call real quick? Like, what do you think uh, Mayo's like ceiling is? Like, he's he's obviously young. He's got a lot to learn, but he's got a great football background. Like, can he be a Super Bowl winning coach? Can he get close? Like, just I, I know you don't have a lot to go on, but like, if you had to just guess or project, like, what, what do you guys think? Uh, I mean, what to go on would be that there has been, and people will point this out because it's a retort to I want somebody on offense, is, well, look at D'Amico Ryan's last year and look at some of these young defensive coaches in the league and how they've succeeded. And there has been a few examples of that. Antonio Pierce had a nice little run there. Good one. Vegas last year. You know, and like the ex-player trend. And so, look, there that profile of player has been successful. I keep harping on Houston, so I can't ignore the D'Amico Ryan's example. But where did D'Amico Ryan's come from? Kyle Shanahan. And, like, I'm out on the Kyle Shanahan tree now after the Super Bowl, but, like... Are you still out on that? Yes. But, like, Kyle Shanahan's tree, I would rather draw from than Bills. You are committed to Doesn't mean I want the Shanahan. I'm out on him. I'm out on the Shanahan tree now. McVay and Reed, that's it. I'll say this. Like, uh, okay... it all comes down to the quarterback. What is his ceiling? I don't know. But if you if you get a bad quarterback, in the words of one Rob Gronkowski. Well, then I think the ceiling is is close. That's my evaluation. Okay. That's where we're at. Uh, David it's is in the car. Epic, man. David's uh, in the car. Go ahead, David. Uh, good evening, guys. So here's my whole thing. Uh, this is a joke. This organization, the Patriots, the coaching staff. Oh, I was going to say, which team are we talking about? I don't even know which team. Is it the Red Sox or the Patriots? I didn't even know. Go ahead. I'm, yeah. about the, the, I'm sorry, the Patriots. It, it is such a joke. I mean, if we thought we had a bad for the past four years, we are in for such a rude awakening. My God, are we in for a rude awakening. Yeah, I. this thing today is kind of nonsense. Like, making the coaches available, fine. I'm on, I'm on, board, with, on board with that. This little, like, rub elbows... Let's throw like a soiree after the fact. I don't. That's that's amateur hour. That's Mickey Mouse. That's Little League. Is Why what does that, that is. bother you? Because they're just trying to curry favor. Yeah. And it's so blatant. And it's not on the record. And that's like what like I would think the Orlando Magic do. You know, well, like, that's who you are right now. No, I understand. But that's so just that's why I call it Mickey Mouse, literally in their case, and Little League. I mean, you're just a Little League Mickey Mouse franchise currying favor, begging for flattering coverage from the media. Wouldn't have bothered me so much if they were more forthcoming, if Mayo in particular was a little more forthcoming and answered questions a little bit more thoroughly. You know, like, I'd, I'd be able to sort of, like, put that to the side if I thought that he wasn't just sort of BSing up there, and there was a lot of BSing today. Good uh, good uh, Google image there you drop in of uh, Mo, in case you forgot. That's uh, that's right there in the Slack channel, which I appreciate. I don't, I don't know if we can get that up on Twitch. She uh, looks like my cousin. <laughs> yeah. She really does. I mean, you know. 
It's not quite what I remembered her looking like. I'll say that. Uh, but anyway, Just we'll ruin your childhood we'll, memories. We'll, we'll we'll get back into that. I'm sure. I know this from experience. The screenshots, like the freeze frames of you talking on air, are usually not flattering. Yeah, you're so defensive of like uh, Raffi yesterday and things like this. Uh, but okay, we have Meg explaining with Megan Donnellini right now. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? Do you need it broken down? It's so dumb. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? Well, lucky for you. I don't know how else to talk about it. Shut up, Meg. It's time for... Now I let you know! Meg explaining. Meg explaining. This is an issue that we have scratched the surface of before. I believe that the morning show has gone in on this issue from both sides uh, many times. Hey, it's, it's Greg. The issue of... Remote work. And I bring this up because, according to the Boston Globe, uh, one of Boston's biggest employers, Fidelity, uh, in September, they're going to start asking, quote, most associates to return to the office for two weeks out of every four weeks. So right now, (laughs) what they require is out of every four-week block, let's just say a month, Uh you have to be in the office for one week. The rest of the time, you can be remote. You got to show up half the time now. Their Boston office employs... By the way, I have many friends who work at Fidelity. I would say this too, like, oh, no, you you got to show up half the time now instead of a quarter of the time. That's tough. So the Boston office employees are just under 6,000 people. Um, And here's just a little bit more context to this that was in the article that I found interesting. Um, A survey released last month from research and consulting firm Gartner found that three specific types of employees are more likely to leave their companies when opportunities to work from home decrease. Do you want to hear what the three types are? Yeah. Arcan, and then what are the other two? High-performing employees. Uh-huh. Arcan. Millennials. Yeah, Arcan. And women. Oh. Yeah. Guys, okay. this is That's me. Three for three. Yeah. I'm a high-performing millennial woman. <laughs> sure. You're definitely You're a millennial at risk. woman. <laughs> <laughs> We're at risk of losing you um, without, so, without more remote, no, 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 remote, no, no, no. remote work? No, 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 no. For our jobs, I much prefer to be in person. Here's a little bit more information. 88% of employers in 2023 expected workers to spend sometime in a physical office during the week, up from 69% in 2022. Uh, Gallup found last year that working in person for two or three days a week, quote, resulted in the best outcomes for employee engagement. This surprised me. While outcomes were worse for those who were forced to work in person five days a week. Mm. So if you ask someone to come in three days a week, they're going to be overall more productive than if you force them to come in five days a week. Yeah. How about that? I reject it. I reject it for us, certainly, because what we do, I think, really suffers when someone's remote. I would say the same thing about any broadcasting form. If it's TV, I also would just question, it's much harder. I've done both ways. It's much, much harder when you're remote. I also would question the process. It's like, you know, <laughs> what what are what are the what's your definition of productive? Because, you know, uh, if I need you on an email and I need you right now, can I get you when you're at home? Like, yeah, can you I, have a phone. Okay, I understand. What are you doing while you're at home? Like, are you sitting there attentive to work? Is that your is that your experience with friends of yours when they work from home? They're Look, more I've engaged worked from home before. Okay, are they more engaged or less engaged when they're at home? Um, less. it's hard to say because I don't know how engaged say. they are in it's the office. Le- it's less, Mego. It's Look, less. There's certain. Th- this was to me a so big how are thing. You more, how are you more productive if you're less engaged? I, I just I reject that, and I'd be curious. To me, their it's definition. not even about like being engaged. It's all based on the job to me. Yeah. But I'll say this: when I was a reporter, I was a significantly better reporter in the newsroom than I was if I was working remotely from yeah, home. Of course. 
Because you know why? Because when you're in the newsroom, I'm looking around and I'm like, that guy's on the phone. He's got a story. That that lady, she's running out to a fire. She's got a byline. But what am I doing? I'm just sitting here like sucking my thumb. Yeah, and when you're at home, you're like, oh, let me grab a snack. Oh, what did I DVR? Oh, the dog needs a walk. Like all this nonsense. And so it's like, look, I have a solution for you. Instead of working remote, uh, could we go? We should work forty-hour work weeks. I have zero problem with that. Could in most jobs, we should be five days a week. But could, like, could people crunch their time in four days a week? Don't even bother with your your fifth day remote. Crunch it into four days a week and work four ten-hour days. Something like that. I'd be okay with something like that. Wouldn't that be really hard for childcare? Maybe it's a couple like extra, you, it's you a couple would extra have to hours, but then, the whole childcare system. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, then you have a whole day off to to be at home with your kid. And so, to me. I just, I can't buy that. I, I'd want to know more about what their definition of uh, productivity is, is what I would want to say. Again, I think that this varies a lot. Me yeah. and Ryan largely agree on this, though. Ryan, you don't like the four-day work week. I can't work from home. No, no. You're asking the wrong no, no, person. We, I also no, don't care we, to work from I have home. to come in. We should work five. I'm not talking about hard. This is not some plea to only work four-day work weeks. If I did, I would have taken Monday off like the rest of the station. But I'm here. I'm fine with working five days a week in this industry. But I'm saying in general, if people are like, I'm in the office too much, fine. Then still work your 40 hours, but show up four days a week. You should be showing up to your job. That's that's all I was I agree. Saying. Look, I four days, five days. If, I don't understand like when the 40-hour work week became this, this big, you know, uh, point of contention like it's not that much time and oh by the way like we're actually working more than 40 hours okay it's, so this is just the like other showing thing. up and turning microphones on and leaving like a lot of crap goes into what we do on a day-to-day -day like, basis do you, I, I guess to me sometimes it's like based on your career you're gonna be working all the time i mean not literally working all the time but i consider what we do, and if you're in a lot of other things, like I imagine if you're an attorney on retainer, you're going to be available a lot of the time. It's like just because you work a 40-hour work week or whatever doesn't mean that suddenly you're unavailable on a Saturday or right. you're unavailable when it's technically a time when you consider yourself not on the clock. If you're reaching a certain level in your career, the remote work thing is is just like – not even uh, the biggest issue. It's that you're asked to be there all the time and available all the time. And you can choose whether or not you want to participate in that. But if you choose not to participate in that, you're probably not going to get very far in your career. Uh, I noticed Mr. Work From Home over here is very silent on this He topic. really is. Yeah. yeah, because you guys are just blowing off the study and saying you don't buy it. So, like, what the hell difference does it make? If you don't buy the study, then what difference does it make what I say? What happened here and the uncomfortable truth that none of you want to face is that during COVID, everybody had to work from home. And then when it started to uh, let up and people uh, came back and a lot of people didn't, it didn't yeah. change anything. Nothing changed at all. Wow. Nothing, really nothing changed. Nothing changed it really COVID. didn't. Yeah, for no, a lot of these, wow. for Fidelity, no nothing changed. No business Fidelity, closed, nothing right. changed. Yeah, right. <laughs> restaurants and stuff like that. I'm talking about jobs where you can work from home. You can't work from home at a restaurant. Like, that's the that's the point. And that's what you guys don't want to face. That's, Arcan, that's the long and short Arcan, of it. Many of these companies just kept on going and they were fine. Okay. And they found out they're working three out of five days was better than five out of five. Uh, except now I, they all, they all now, figure that me, out. Except now they want a, people back to work. Yeah, because they're losing I, money on the real estate. That's why. They all and have these big real estate contracts for their offices. If except they're for the three for all five. The time. Fine, but the three for five is better than the five for five. No? If I was working, no, yeah, if I, I, reject I if it. I was working in an office job, I would probably love being in the office three days a week and having two days when I'm remote. 
Yeah, yeah me too. Because those are pseudo days yeah, off. They're days off. They're yeah. days I don't have to it's work. Like if weekend. it's a case, they're days where I check my email twice and I check in a couple of times. It's a day off. There's also jobs where you have a lot of meetings on site somewhere, or you have lunches or something like that. I don't know. These sound like fancy jobs. I don't really know what people's job titles mean. I haven't worked like very real jobs, but I know I have friends who do that. <laughs> and if I have to go and spend like two hours on site at some boring yeah. company in a meeting, I probably don't want to have to like go into the office. Before that and after that, for no specific reason. I agree. You think people are locked in in their pajamas at home on their couch, the same way they are at work? Probably, yeah. I don't. Oh, oh yeah. No one ever zones out at work. Yeah. No one ever sits at their computer no, playing playing uh, games in their look, computer. You're gonna jerking around. That you're never gonna get, happens. You're gonna get that no Ew. matter what. You're not, jerking around in the office. You're gonna get no, that. I do that when I work from home. <laughs> not on a work computer. You're gonna get that no matter what. I mean, I'm not saying people are locked in 100 percent of the time, but they're more locked in at work than at home. Like, let's I not. Really, I really think it's job specific. I really think it's job. It does matter what job it is, obviously. Okay, but but in in general, office jobs, general office jobs, I don't think a whole lot changes when people aren't in the office. You keep saying a whole lot. Are are you as locked in at home on your couch as you are in the office? Well, most of the time they're doing meetings where they have to be on Zoom and talking to people. So, I mean, you know, yeah. Oh, I'm so, like, not in on a Zoom meeting the way that I would be in person. We had a a company-wide meeting uh, a few weeks ago. Were you more locked in on that, or were you more locked in on some Zoom where you could pick your nose and walk around and no one knows if you're even watching? About the same. Yeah, it's not close. It's not close, whether you want to admit it or not. I don't even have to turn you know the what? camera on. Actually, <laughs> like, I'm here. I'm listening, but my Guys, camera's not on. We had Please. remote Arcan like last week, and he said the San Francisco Giants executed a trade with the San Francisco Giants. That's true, I did do that. <laughs> I think we know there's a different level of things, locked in. I say things when I I'm mean, in this room. Arcan is and so- in baseball news, the San Francisco Giants have agreed to a three-year, forty-two million dollar deal with the San Francisco Giants. I mean, the man is the man is locked in when he's here, though. Too. I mean, that is true. You can't sneak anybody that is by. Not, I mean, that really is proof that it doesn't change much when I so work that, from home. That's Meg's planning each and every day at this time here. What on did Jones. I rule on? And Mega with Arcan. Okay. I think you were more more than I expected on Ryan and uh, my side. There were certain scenarios. Yeah, you were more. I thought um, you would be more with Arcan on this one. I'm not really as down with the telehealth. That stuff freaks me out. Yeah, telehealth. How are you going to diagnose me over my cell phone? Yeah, no, let's have doctors work from home. I agree you with Arcan on that. You can't talk to me about yeah. it. I didn't miss a day. A day. Okay, Ryan. Neither did I. Okay, we're all heroes. Thank you. Let's have. Let's no. no let's have. Do, let's have doctors work from home. I agree. Doctors. Doctors uh, did work from home. Yeah, I know, and it was. Yeah, I, how, how do you think the healthcare went? So I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't subscribe to it. And That's I want. I'm going to read more on this study. I'm going to read up on this study. I'll get back to you uh, after my vacation on Friday. 617-779-7937. We have Bet Roulette. Picks for tonight next. This is Jones and Mega on WEEI. WEEI. Who do you think is the best player in the NBA right now? Uh, myself. Is that, have you always had that kind of confidence? Because I don't, I asked you that question a year ago and you said it was Giannis. So what's given you that confidence? I got a lot of respect for a lot of guys in the league. Yeah. Giannis for sure. Um, Jokic, obviously he just won. MB, guys that won MVPs. Then uh, the list goes on. It's, the league is in a great place. Um, I think, you know, the things that I've been through, um, just through my career, things that I've accomplished and yet, you know, I haven't got the ultimate championship. Uh, I truly do believe every time I step on the floor, I'm the best player. All right, now Tatum believes in himself. Apparently that wasn't the case last year. 
championship or bust for the Celtics this year. And if Tatum really wants to be recognized as the best player in the league, he has to win, right? Yes. This is his window. Like, I got to be clear. I sent you guys some specifics with different players, and I know you guys have gone through this between the two of you. He's in his seventh year. Like, this is where his contemporaries win. Giannis won in his seventh year. Uh, not, I keep wanting to say Luka, these stupid boys. Uh, Jokic won in his eighth year. Yep. He's 25 going on 26. This is the time. Because I also, like, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Tatum's good enough to have more than one. Sure. So start it up now. This is the perfect season for it. Yeah, and it's also not like you have Michael Jordan if, if blocking you and you can't get uh, out of the East because the Jordan's there or LeBron's there or something like that. You know, like that's been – I always talk about the Pacers. Like Reggie Miller wasn't an anti-clutch player. He's a clutch player, but he couldn't get past Jordan. Jason Tatum doesn't have one of those right now, and if he doesn't win it this year, there's going to be talk about how he's a choker. Yeah, and look. On this show. A lot. Yeah, <laughs> for sure on this show. But, like – you know, MJ took a while to win. LeBron took a while to win. Got it. Okay, great. You know, Duncan won right away. Kobe had Shaq, won right away. Bird won almost right away. Magic won right away. So there's plenty of guys who won a long time before Tatum, too. Like, 25 is not that young, to your point. And yeah, it's, it's kind of hard because it is a different era. Than what? Than, than Magic and Bird. I know yeah. Kobe. Kobe was his fourth year. Sure. So that it's not like it was right away. It was younger for sure. Oh, it was definitely younger. And I mean, what was he? 21 or 22? I mean, he was younger. And I mean, you know, if you're going to cite Jordan, I don't see why we can't cite Bird and Magic. I don't mean you. I mean, people in general say, oh, well, it took well, Jordan a saying, while like, to Giannis break through. and Jokic. No, so those those two are, exactly are more. This time frame. Those two are more recent. I mean, Duncan's Duncan is uh, still a pretty contemporary player, I would say. And so, I mean, guys won by now. And so he can say he's young all he wants, but he's on the clock. And how much longer should we give him before we just say this is what you are? He's on the clock, and it's not a hybrid remote job. No, that's true. <laughs> he is uh, showing up to work. Uh, real quick, uh, I guess this is half and half showing up to work and half not. Ben Volan just tweeted out. Maybe others had this earlier, and I missed it. For the first time since 2013, the Patriots are going to have someone giving a press conference at the NFL Combine. Oh. Elliot Wolf scheduled to take questions on Tuesday morning. Hmm. Well, Ger someone's going. Gerard Mayo not on the schedule, and this is what Arcan is talking about. He hinted today he may not be attending the Combine. He's following in Bill's footsteps. Uh, his exact answer, if I can get it for you, was uh, da, 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 still working through it. We'll talk about it after I have ultimate faith in Elliot, which sounded like a no at the time. I like how he's adopted what you did. He's not calling him Wolf anymore. He's calling him Elliot. He's uh, I'm not I'm what? not gonna I'm not gonna screw around with that name. One more what? time. Yeah, there you go. Six well, he's seven. from Virginia, so it's very possible that he, he has the Wolf. same accent that I do. True. It's a great point. I know. We're mid Atlanticers. Or what? maybe it's just a made up accent. If we ever hear him say it, we'll know. Did he say it today? What are you, you are you accusing me of putting on a fake accent? You didn't hear when he introduced himself. Hello, my name is Coach Drod Mayo. <laughs> Okay, he's not like full Maryland, but he's of the DMV. Maryland, Virginia. 617-779-7937. You can jump in line for Keith and Fitzy tonight. They come your way at 6 o'clock. Meantime, let's get to some picks for tonight and bet roulette. All right, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have the money and the hammer, or you can walk out of here. You can't have both. You don't f around in this place. You got it? Boom, boom. That's it. Gambling. I'll tell you, I looked at the transcript quick. I don't think he said the word wolf. Pretty incriminating. 
Bet Roulette brought to you by Cars for Kids. Easy way to donate your car. You can donate today. Your car will be picked up tomorrow. Go to carsforkids.com or one eight seven seven cars for kids cars with a K and the number 4. I'm told we all missed last night. I definitely did. A a complete whiff. Mm. It's the second time in a row I've taken a team on the puck line and they've outright lost by multiple (laughs) goals. So that's not going well for me. Ryan, what did you tell me before the show? I haven't gotten a hockey pick right. Uh, You have one correct hockey pick in two months. (laughs) And it was David Poster not getting time. Hockey Jones. Hockey Jones. That's That's more of a playoff thing. That's more of a playoff thing. Hockey Jones. Uh, All right, Mego, why don't you uh, roll for us here tonight? I got a four. A four. That is uh, college basketball action. couple of ranked Yay. teams. Uh, Alabama is going to be hosting the Florida Gators. Oh, yeah. Alabama ranked 13th. Florida ranked 24th. It is a 10.5-point spread in favor of Alabama. Mega, what do you say? That's a pretty big spread. It is. Uh, for two ranked teams. So I'm going to go with Florida plus 10. Okay. okay. Florida, keep it close. Uh, 10 and a half. Yeah. Sorry, 10.5. That hook will even, even more of a reason. All right, Jones's role is a two, and that's the Bruins and the Oilers late, late tonight. Yes. Uh, 10 o'clock puck drop. The over-under is six and a half, Jones. Okay. Now, some would say, Jones, you haven't gotten a hockey pick <laughs> right in forever. However, what was my last correct one again, Ryan? It was uh, David Poster. The Bruins! It was the Bruins is how I choose to phrase that. So you should always listen to Hockey Jones on the Bruins, okay? Look, my league expertise, not as strong. But on the Bruins, Ryan just told you I never miss. So I will take the over on six and a half goals is what I'll be taking tonight. Bruins and Oilers, you said? Oilers, yes. Should be a good one. Plus Overs. money. Over six and the a half. Plus, plus, money. plus money. It's nice and juicy for you. All right. Let's go with that. Here we go. Uh, Arcan. Oh, wow. yeah. We I actually, that one. I was about to say we told him not to shoot anymore, but he did make that one. Yes, I did. Actually, it was a, it was a nice looking shot. I'll I've been uh, pretty cold. All right. That is number one. That is the Bruins and the Oilers money line. I am going to go ahead and say the Oilers take this one. I don't think the Bruins need a West Coast road trip right now. That's not the cure for what ails them. I like their effort against Dallas. I think this first one's going to be a bit of a uh, primer here, and I think the Oilers are very hot lately. They won eight straight home games, so give me the Oilers on the money line. Okay. Florida plus 10.5 against Alabama tonight. Bruins and Oilers over 6.5 goals, and the Oilers on the money line plus 5.17. That seems a little more rational than what we put out there last night. What are the odds if you fade all three? Yeah. (laughs) Good question. Listeners really want to know. I bet it might be better odds. I would bet based on on the way this went down. I would say there might be better odds. I have a plus 517 if you want to follow along. Bet Roulette each and every night here on Jones and Mega with Arkin. If you fade all three picks, uh, plus 601. Hey. Wow. You can actually actually get a little... A little boosted odds Bruins, just by money line the under just and by not listening to us. Wow, I mean we should start tracking that. Uh, Keith and Fitzy come your way six o'clock. We'll talk to you tomorrow at two. Have a great night, everybody. That'll be right here on Weei. That's you the pumpkin market. I don't know me. this song. And the card inside would say, thank you for being a friend. Did you, you also like grow up thinking Iceland yeah. was like pretty evil? Yeah, because of that movie. Yeah, exactly. Huh? Yeah. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.